Where am I? What is this place? What Cheeto? I know you can hear me. Who said that? What's that? My friends? This is the final chapter, Wachito. Your friends need you. This is the end of the road. Where are you, man? Are you God? that demands that you recognize us as the tribal chief uh quentin this week we are corvus gear um to commemorate uh the big i guess aew big four pay-per-views uh full gear how you doing this week Quentin? i'm good um tim i don't know but i am partially indigenous Okay. So I don't know. So I don't. So I don't. Know, so I might actually be able to get away with that. I'm not sure if you can. Ah, uh, yes. That's that is a, a very good point. I uh, I don't know if I have. I mean, obviously have Mexican heritage, and there is some links to indigenous tribes in Mexico, probably. But I would never claim any of that. Um. So yeah. I mean, maybe maybe you're right. You're the tribal chief. Um. <laughs> Did you wa- have you watched? You have to have watched some of that stuff, right? Like, what was it? Yeah, Hell in a Cell. I quit I watched, in uh, Hell in a I Cell. I watched. I watched. I didn't watch that stuff yet. I, w- I do want to go and watch the Roman Reigns and uh, Jey Uso matches. It's bad. But I saw. But what? But what I saw. I at least I saw Jay versus uh, Daniel Bryan. And I, saw, I heard I saw, that was good. It was good, but also I also saw uh, the beginning promo from that show. With Roman just like stone faced, yeah, and Jay is like, "Why you gotta do that, man? <laughs> Why you gotta do that, Oops. Why you do that to me?" Uh, and I just and like here's, I don't know, but like to me, I love Roman's character right now. Like I okay. fucking yeah, yeah. love it. That shit, that shit rules. Like this stone-faced roman commanding respect from everybody and not giving a fuck like who it is i love that shit the problem is is that like jay uso like yeah 
isn't, you know, very compelling in his role other than, like, you know, his intensity. So, like, when it gets down to this, he's just, like, fucking, like, screaming matches or whatever. It's just really weird. And then, like, Roman just beat him into submission. Like, I, it, it, I like the character, and I wonder how it would get, how it would get over in front of a, in front of a bigger audience. But... I I I, enjoy, I at least enjoy watching Roman Reigns' promos. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Like you said, the Roman thing is working. And I do, I, I think it's interesting because people have referenced, some people, very few, um, that like, oh, you, didn't, you don't think Roman can be a heel? Just go check out what he used to do in FCW and never on <laughs> NXT. But, and I'm like, this is a completely different thing. Like, this is, he is definitely not the same character as like the FCW and like yeah, I remember that was that was that was him like suit wearing yeah. like cocky shit. This is a completely different kind of thing for him. This is like stone faced badass. Like still, he still feels like Roman Reigns, but it's like I'm not here for any of the extra bullshit. Like I'm here, and you are going to treat me like I am the like the the top the top dog here like and it's it's still done in the heel way and if you know when you kind of see him not conflicted and all this other shit but like is roman still feeling like roman just like you know like we've always wanted just like cut the other shit out yeah well and it's funny too and i'm like completely diatribing on my diatribe here um but like kevin sullivan i remember years and years ago with kevin sullivan podcast that he did with a uh, mr msl who's like uh a notorious piece of shit basically for working with fucking chase and rants and all that um but uh like on his podcast he talked about roman constantly about what they should do with this guy and he would like he would directly talk about it and you know kevin sullivan was a disciple of uh king curtis like he was a huge huge like student trained under king curtis iakea loved the guy respected him like all of that stuff so he would constantly talk about, like, he needs to play up the tribal thing. He needs to talk about, like, he would did it literally say, like, I'm only a couple generations away from like, being a cannibal. All this kind of stuff. And it was like, it sounded fucking crazy to think about. But then you turn around and you see Paul Heyman. And as soon as Paul Heyman's with Roman, he's doing exactly that shit. And it just goes I, to I, show. I, I remember Paul Heyman saying that during, like, the like the run-up to, like, the latest, like, roman Brock yeah. match. Whatever. It's like... You're like you are like you are like the descendant of like cannibals or some shit. Yeah, and everyone just, and everyone just like whoa 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 hold on hold on exactly. <laughs> but it it goes back it like I'm saying it goes back to that like people don't realize like Sullivan was in ECW, Paul Heyman was in WCW with Kevin Sullivan like those guys have that lineage of that old school Booker mentality and you know you're gonna tell me that fucking Paul Heyman didn't pick the brain of Kevin Sullivan like these guys think the same because they got that old school wrestler brain where that kind of shit like fuck it like you take advantage of some stupid shit like that and you and you do it the issue with what you're saying is exactly a conversation i had recently it's a separate conversation but related uh with my former podcast host pete who me and you were talking about uh before this and congratulations on to pete for getting uh doing some some good stuff in his personal life but i was talking to him and i was saying how um dominic uh mysterio like if this was like the 60s, 70s, like, of wrestling, instead of it having to be Ray's actual son, they would have gotten, like, Gino Medina. I don't know if you've ever seen him, but he's a Booker T protege student in down in Texas who, like, looks exactly like Dominic, taller, 
Um, looks like Rey Mysterio. Like he's a little bit taller. He's got like a little bit better charisma. He's like a really natural, gifted athlete. And it's like they would just get that guy and say, "You're Rey Mysterio's son. You're gonna play Rey Mysterio's son." But unfortunately, like everything has to be real now. You can't kayfabe that kind of shit. So unfortunately, like Roman is doing this really cool character, and the only way to like play off of the family stuff is to have his real family there. And the Usos don't fit. Like they don't. They really don't fit the act. But they're his real cousins, so they have to be the ones who are in there. But it's like. You could get different people to fit to play these roles, and they would fit so much better. Like, I mean, he is related, but he's not like a directly a cousin. But someone like Jacob Fatu, you know what I mean? Like, he's a guy who I think would be much better in a role as playing like a a second in command, heavy kind of guy to to Roman. But instead, you get the Usos, and they just they they just don't have the same vibe, you know? Yeah, like Usos are they're like they're intense, but it's like they don't give like Roman. Like Roman gives, I will fucking kill you, like. Like, like the Usos, they still kind of still like the same energetic Usos. Like, no matter if you turn them heel or not. Like, you mentioned the Jacob Fatu. Jacob Fatu gives off that same energy, the same energy of like whether heel or babyface, whatever he's working as. Is, I will actually murder you. Yeah. Just big, scary, violent. Yeah, yeah. So you know that's unfortunate that like we can't go back to the days where you could just have uh, Italian people be play Native American. No, I don't mean that. But you know what I'm talking about. Like you used to be able to just have people who were the best at a certain role be able to do it, and now it's like it has to be real. Like you have to have the real family members. And sometimes you strike lightning, and sometimes you don't, and that's just the way it works. Like well, sometimes, well, like, well, Tim, well, Tim, it oh. sounds like to me that you are thinking that Scarlett Johansson should play Japanese women in movies. <laughs> I, I have been saying that. I, not even just women. I think she should play uh, Japanese men as well. Um, ja, that's a great point. <laughs> yes. I mean, don't pigeonhole her. She could play... Um, like, imagine um, was Lost in Translation, but Scarlett Johansson plays the main character and she plays all of the extras. Um, I, I think I think I heard Scarlett Johansson will be playing Nelson Mandela in the, oh, in the that's next... Uh, perfect. In a yeah. in a movie about her dying in prison in the nineties, it's called the like a, the Mandela Effect film. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, so Quentin, a ton of shit has happened since the last time we talked. Way too much, really. Yeah, some would a, say a lot of things have happened. Yeah. Um, <laughs> some of them good, some of them bad. Um, of course, I'm speaking of the election as the bad, um, the good uh, ultimate party. <laughs> Let's get into this. Um, I think, did we talk about the Road to Ultimate Party at all, or did we only talk no, about that I, online? I, I, haven't even, I haven't even got a chance to see uh, that any, any of that stuff yet, honestly, yeah. as far as the, like, the Road to stuff. Yeah. Um, either way, Ultimate Party, great, really good show, honestly, for DDT, top to bottom, solid stuff. Um, if you're not into DDT comedy, I think there's still plenty of meat on this bone that you could easily like skip over a few things and still enjoy it. Um, I mean, DD, I think DDT is on fire. I think that there's a conversation for DDT as like promotion of the year for 2020, um, which I know is like it's 2020. Yeah, like, it's so, like yeah, yeah, I was to say like there's like there's like five companies, <laughs> right? But yeah, like doing a lot of really cool stuff uh when it comes to that concept of like being a variety show i think that there's very few promotions who truly deliver that well um and ddt is one of them that has historically always delivered the variety show style wrestling super well um their crowds obviously love them the ddt fans love the shows and they show up big and they show out when they can 
can't really right now. Um, so, you know, limited when it comes to that. And it, it kind of sucks because it does hurt the show because part of what makes DDT shows awesome is the huge crowds and they're into everything and they, you know, they love everything from beginning to end usually. Um, in some weird ways, like, you could you could look at a DDT crowd as being very similar to, like, that, that terrible NXT full sale thing where it's, like, they're really into the heels, they, they kind of cheer at times, and they're into characters that they're not supposed to, you know, like, stuff like that, but it feels earnest, it feels authentic, and it, and it, and usually the company does really good to go with it, and they don't, like, fight against the crowd, if they want, if the crowd wants someone to be babyface, they just make them a babyface, you know? Or or, or or the opposite too is like if, the, if they see the crowd is like not into something they'll have, they have no problem being like okay you know what we see that this is not going to work we'll come back to this later yeah and they'll just completely drop stuff like yeah so so that's the cool thing it is a bummer sometimes because it makes it sometimes kind of hard to follow DDT because if you're into something and you don't follow it like super closely something things will just get completely dropped and you'll be like what the fuck happened to you know whoever and they're just like completely gone um, either way uh, I don't know how much of this you watched, but realistically, wa- there's like I watched the top. I watched the top three. Yeah, I was gonna say realistically, there's like a top five matches that are all worthwhile. Um, again, it comes down to DDT comedy thing because for me, Takagi and uh, Shinya Aoki is is worth the watch just for stupid fun. Um, so I'll just start with that um, for my kind of quick talk about. Um, Shinya Aoki loses due to uh, uh, horny DMs, which is fucking amazing. Um, so it's a, a weapons rumble match where, you know, every few minutes they each get a new weapon. And uh, it's like they get, you know, outsiders. They get Dirty Ronald joins in. Um, and then they get uh, stories, basically, like people, like, giving uh they use like a specific word for it but i can't remember it off the top of my head but it's like people uh like giving information embarrassing information about people the first one is like um dino and super sasha dongo machine talking shit about uh not talking shit but like saying that takagi was like uh basically kind of saying that like they were at a bar and takagi like bitched out with some with like he could have gotten laid or something i think was essentially how it was explained that i understood it um, from a translation, which is, like, embarrassing whatever, I guess. It was, like, nothing really. And then Aoki's was, like, the first one was, like, they're, all of these people are, like, digitized. You can't see their faces. They're censored. Um, and then the next one is Aoki's ex-wife coming in and basically saying that, like, his ground game is defen- is uh, is uh, weak and uh, that oh he was uh, very, very quick um to lose or whatever so basically saying that he's he's uh, not a good fucker and he busted really fast um so that didn't that didn't get it oh it's uh, exposure talk is what they called it so then the next one was another aoki exposure talk and it was a different girl whose face was digitized out saying that aoki basically tried to uh send her dms on instagram to meet up at a love hotel and uh and that she just blocked him and that was the end of it. And he just completely died and got cradled in a, in a La Casita by Takagi to lose the title. Um, so that was... I mean, it's fucking stupid, but it's so good. Like, I love shoot MMA fighter Shinya Aoki losing to uh, being horny on D- in DMs is how he loses the match. And loses the title that he's had like this pretty, pretty kick-ass reign with. Um, 
follow that up. A tag team match that I would recommend anybody go out of their way to watch, and I totally get not wanting to see it, um, just because it's got Marafuji in it, I guess, basically, would be the, the main reason uh, that you want to skip. Uh, Soma. Soma's the main reason here. Really? You don't like Soma? Not, not, I don't like Soma. <laughs> okay. I like Soma Takao. I, I kind of always have. Um, I think that Marafuji was, was pretty good in this match. Um, and so if you... If you're fine with him, then this match would probably be okay, but you would probably still have an issue with Soma Takao. Um... To me, I thought Marafuji was looked really good here, um, but uh, but yeah, the Soma Takao's Shima tag team to me works. I mean, it kind of they're wearing like the matching gear, and it was reminding me of Spike Mohicans, which is very funny. Um, <laughs> and it kind of makes sense, even though Soma is like a lot more established than Ricochet was during Spike Mohicans, because um, like Soma Takao wrestled, I guess, as like Bima, like a not a play on Shima, and he was like a uh, a big time like Shima fanboy as a kid so it kind of makes sense that he's playing like you know a fanboy to him here um either way follow that up i guess this would be the first match that you saw chris brooks defending the ddt universal title against uk Uena. um what did you think of this <coughs> excuse me but um did i thought this i thought this was the second best match on the show the well, second best match of the three that i saw yeah um Brooks, I haven't, I haven't seen Brooks in so long, so it was nice to see. It was nice to see Chris Brooks again, and you went. It was always fun. It just this was just fun shit, man. Like you know, like I like the DDT Universal Title. Um, you know, it was meant to be a thing where Brooks got to go around all over the world and like got to do like silly shit with it and just have fun. But obviously, that didn't pan out because of a uh, COVID reason, COVID reasons. But I was. It was nice to see this. Get this. See this belt. Get a little bit of a spotlight. You know, like sometimes you'll see it. Like you'll see a change. Like you'll see like the tag team belts. You know, get a big spot on the show where the extreme title when it was uh, going back back and forth between Harashima and Aoki get spots. It was good to see the universal the universal title get some love, and it be a guy like Ueno. You know, third from the top, like getting a big title win like that. There, you know. Really shows how much they believe in this guy, and that they really start like you know he had he had he had the tag title run, now giving him this, and showing you that they really are planning on pushing him as a top guy at some point in the near future, and it was just a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, I I really and I talked about this a little bit somewhere else, but like uh, I think that Brooks really is serves really well here in DDT. Um, get some some killer Chris Brooks in this match, um, like going after the shoulder that was all taped up, and he's attacking that and showing off like some of the cool timing stuff that he can do, like that big cutter catching him off the top rope. Like, um, I mean, Chris Brooks is just a really good wrestler. I think that people like overlook that, and it's really easy to because he doesn't really like to play into it. So here, um, he's getting to show some of that off uh, while also like being the like letting Ueno be like the focal focal point of the match um making him into like the uh, hopefully something hopefully they do something with him they're going to repurpose this title as being like an actual serious kind of um secondary title basically um that'll be interesting to see when they go with that but yeah i mean i just like, like kind of my comparison point was how much brooks and kid lycos really wanted to be in in um dragon gate and it's just yeah, like i couldn't, I couldn't imagine it, it, it wouldn't have worked yeah you know, it just you, like I can, I can say now like looking at it like like thinking about it and then like the direction dragon gate eventually took 
Like, it just wouldn't have worked. Even back then, like, when they were first campaigning for it, it just wouldn't have worked. But, yeah, but seeing Chris Brooks here, he's, like, believable. Third from the top champion heel dropping the title to the next big star guy. Like, he's he's right at home in this setting. And, like, it's awesome that it happened. It sucks that Lycos, you know, had to retire and all the stuff that goes with that. But, like, I just... It's also weird because Brooks is a guy who I think perpetually in my mind I'll always think of as could be a huge star, you know? And who knows? I mean, we'll talk about it later. There's a guy who a similar position who, you know, it took a decade for him to finally make it into the place where it makes sense. But Brooks I see in a similar way to, I'll just say it, like John Moxley where I'm just like, I could see Brooks being a top guy somewhere, if it, but it will take similarly what's happened with Moxley where it's like, everything has to go right and it's just it's probably never gonna happen and this is not a bad place for him you know what i mean like it's not this is not wrong this is great and he's doing super well here but i just i feel like if everything hit just right i think that chris brooks could be that similar level like transcendent kind of star but it's it's just probably will never happen um the only thing that sucks for me is nautilus man i fucking i hate that nautilus is broken up but whatever or they're not broken up, but like Nautilus is definitely not going to be a focus, you know. So whatever, though. I guess that's fine. But I just I really like that tag team a lot. So yeah, they were good. Yeah, and then and then, and then like Yoshimura, like again, yeah, like obviously got he like you know they got they won the tag belt, but it always felt like Ueno was going to be the guy that got the focus out of that. And like you don't think of DDT this way because you think DDT is all goofy and and like they can just do whatever and the fans will eat it up, but like. DDT is still a promotion where, like, how you look and how you carry yourself does matter to an extent. Yeah. And, like, unless you're a fucking super worker, like, you know, like, shit like Shigehiro Irie was at points, you know, you're not going to really break through, like, kind of, like, as, as a top guy yeah. being like that. Like, Irie, like, you know, because he, he, he was um open, um, he was the open weight champ twice. Like... Irie is a fucking great wrestler. It has been a great wrestler for nearly 10 years. Yeah. So, like, he was kind of like an undeniable, like, guy just in terms of in-ring. And obviously, came he was a piece part of that class with, class with um, fuck, I, who, 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 who was he with? It was, was it, it was, was it Soma that was with him and then, um, Keisuke Ishii? That would make sense, but I, I can't was say it, I remember off the top of my not, head. I'm not sure, I'm not sure it was Soma. That, that that was in that group, but like, Keisuke, but Keisuke Ishii and those kind of guys, and like, Irie was the one that had the most potential, but it's like, eh, like he, he still like had like a he still had that look where it's like, all right, like maybe, but then he's like it's still Hiroshima and Ibushi and Kudo and Kenny Omega, and then Irie was still it was there and it kind of like all right, I guess he fits in, like Yoshimura in this era of like. Endo and Haguchi eventually and Ueno and Takashita. It's just like, man, like I don't know if Yoshimura is never gonna get there. Or like a Mao. Like Right. Like I don't see I don't see a future for like Yoshimura unless he winds up being like a fucking Shigahiro Irie level worker. Yeah, I mean it the thing that you know, I've said it here, but I think it gets overlooked in general by a lot of people. I've said it plenty of times, so it feels like repetitive. But like, DDT is an idle promotion. You have to understand that. And like, yeah, like he doesn't fit. He doesn't fit that vibe. And 
he also doesn't really do comedy super well. Like, like that. Those kind of are your two paths in DDT is like idol or comedy. And if you don't fit either of those, but you're like a solid, you know, hard nosed kind of worker, then then you can like you kind of can't find a place unless you become like a like you said like you have to be like a super worker. Like you have to be like insanely talented. Um, so I don't know. He does. He weirdly feels like a guy who would probably be better off somewhere else, unfortunately. But I don't think that'll happen. Which is fine. I mean, he'll probably make a career for himself. But I just yeah, he'll, he'll be fine. But yeah. just like you know, like Ueno's gonna go on and like main event big shows one day. Yeah. <laughs> like Yoshimura is gonna be like the second like the second guy in the unit. Like that's just what it is. Right. Yeah. I mean, they could play something could happen with Ueno and Yoshimura history, and they could feud with each other down the line or something and we could might we might catch fire and something could be interesting but who knows but coming out of this we get the post match and we basically are setting up Yumora um or UNO versus um Mao um Oh hell yeah yes yeah, and hell yes b- yeah b- battle battle of the um battle of Kodabushi sons <laughs> yes which is it's it's weird cuz Mao I don't know like Mao feels like he's got the more pure abushi energy with the like getting injured, yeah. disappearing to England, like seeming like he's not focused, like he is more pure. Yeah, he, he, Kota Ibushi, yeah, he, chaotic. Yeah, he, he has the Abushi energy, and then you went has the like has like the current Abushi Abushi look. Yeah, so. exactly. So it, it is definitely going to be interesting to see how that how that ends up. Um, follow that up with a very weird fucking match. Um, I think I was a little bit taken aback by it in this setting, but when I kind of heard, um, give a shout out to John over on Wrestling Omakase, kind of make the references to 90s All Japan, I think that's that's why in this setting this match seems so weird. I mean, I should have gotten it because it's June Akiyama in there, but this was like they were trying to like randomly put a 90s All Japan match in the middle of like in the semi-main event of a DDT show, um, it wasn't like purely like completely fucking King's Road, but it was like there was a lot of references to King's Road stuff, and they were doing some like psych- like learned psychology stuff, um, and it does make me think like, can you? I'm sorry, like I know that you, me, and you have had our differences on Kento Miyahara, but can we just can you? Can I just say this? And I don't know, but. Can you imagine how much better <laughs> all this All Japan stuff would have been if Takashita had been in the Kento Miyahara position? I mean, I'm just like oh, watching to be, this. Oh, to be clear, like I like Kento, but like Takashita is a much better wrestler than yeah. Kento Miyahara. Like, I'm just like I could not imagine what All Japan cha- like the Triple Crown Championship would have looked like in like a a Takashita ace role in All Japan for the past like five years. Imagine Takashita versus Suwama. Like, yeah, it, it exactly. Just there. It's like, just, imagine just that. Just like, oh shit, like I yeah. want to see that. Like, yeah, I just... And it's funny because I've kind of said it, but now that he's filled out more and more, like, it really shows that, like, he he is could be this amazing, like, transcendent heavyweight in, in promotions where, like, heavy, being a heavyweight, hard-nosed wrestler like this, like, makes sense. And it took this match to really, sh- like, have it, like, be completely cemented to me. Like I said, because he used to be a lot skinnier, a lot slimmer, but, like, yeah, like, mm-hmm. this guy can fucking go. And the stuff, like, the leg selling throughout the match, the the fighting spirit, the fiery underdog stuff, like, 
DDT crowds, I talked about it, it's an idol promotion. The crowds love pretty boys and they love comedy. And, you know, they're into this stuff. And, like, Takashita can will the crowd to get behind him no matter what. But, like, if he was wrestling in a promotion where, like, fighting spirit was, like, a real key thing, like, he would could be fucking a god. Like, he really could be. Like, no, if, if, if Takashita, like, again, if Takashita walked into New Japan right now, I feel like he'd have, like, a Shingo effect where, like, Shingo immediately came in and was, like, the yeah. fucking best wrestler on the roster. Like, I feel like Takashita is that good because, like, I really do feel like you can plug him into, like, an Okada spot and he could do just as good if not better. Yeah. Like just based off the net just just based off based off the natural gifts. And then like you give him give him give him the reps, let him be a top guy. He's already he's already worked an hour draw before, worked forty minute matches, made events, been a challenger, uh done long term psychology, all this kind of shit. If like if Takashita was in New Japan, like this like he like I don't no question he'd be thought he'd be like having matches that like people would call like legendary. Right. But, you know, He's loyal to DDT. He's in DDT for right now. And, like, you know, I don't, like, maybe that's not the best place for his strengths. Like, will it ever, like, you know, because Takashita isn't exactly, like, what they're into in DDT. But, like, you know, Takashita being 25 years old still, like, he's fucking 25. Yeah. Like, that's still that's still a guy where, like, I, w- I, w- I would like to see him somewhere else. Not because I don't like him in DDT. But like you know, you're like you're right here. Like it's kind of interesting to watch like Junakiyama versus Takashita, and then like watch how much they had to work, and then go and see like the reaction that the crowd had to something like Endo versus Endo versus Sasaki. <laughs> right. Which like I get it because you know Endo Sasaki like this is the uh, I guess we can transition. I don't know if you care transitioning into the main event now. Um, Go ahead. This is like the best possible version of the Lij bullshit that's going on right now. Like these guys deliver that like interstable, like feud war thing, the drama, all of it. They like played it up to the hilt. Sasaki coming out with the fucking corpse paint on. Like this is awesome. I the match itself. To me, the work, everything, like, I I really liked the way that they opened up. They brought the intensity, like, but in a really kind of, like, I don't know, trivial way, just, like, moving quickly, you know what I mean? And it's just, like, not really, like, ag- aggression, but more just, like, yeah, it's, fast yeah, It's pace. not really, like, it's, it's not, like, it was, like, it's, it's urgent, but then it doesn't really feel, like, it's meaningful. Yeah. Either, kind of. Yeah, so it's just, like, it's, this is, like, Again, like I was saying, this is the best possible version of, like, what people want out of the LIJ thing. Because it is, like, it's it's very superficial. And I've kind of compared the LIJ and Damnation. I feel like it's a pretty easy comparison to make, but I've literally heard very few people make it, which I find very, like, they, super they, odd. They're very, there's very clearly a connection. Yeah. In there. Like, it was, it was weird to me that, like, like you think, you, like, you see, like... I think they formed the same year, right? Probably around the same or, time, or, for sure. Or, yeah, or or, 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 maybe, or yeah, around, around the same time. At least like, and then like Endo joined like, like you know, like like you know, like a while down the line. But like, I think like once, like I think like the like well, the, the original concept of like Sasaki, Paulie, and, and and Ishikawa, um, probably not much Lij inspired. 
but right. like you do have but but it gave it had lij look to it though right like the like the black and again like black shirt everyone's wearing everyone's fucking wearing black shirts it's like kind but of like, punk you know it's anti-authoritarian yeah. And then, and then once you add Endo, and then Endo's wearing fucking eyeliner and, and has messy hair. Right. It's like, okay, clearly, like, like what are we doing here now? Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> it's, like, really 100% the thing. You've got, like, the old school shitty, like, Rudo-style hills. So Saki is definitely, like, a Rudo. And, like, you know, he gets that from, he, from Togo. Him and Naito are super similar. Yeah, like, <laughs> he totally gets that from the, the Togo, like, Latin America fucking, like, training stuff. Like, he totally has that, like, yeah, he's a Rudo. He's like an old school dark goth like um, kind of character, and so it's just like, and then you've got yeah, you've got Indo who is like, for all intents and purposes, like the most like super handsome version of uh, of Sonata. I like, I don't know, people like really go Gaga for Sonata, but I don't know. To me, Indo is like much much better looking, and you don't really ever see. I guess you do kind of, but. I was gonna say you don't really ever see Sonata taking his shirt off, but I guess he does. He wrestles without a shirt. It's, 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 a, it's like a, it's like a big spot for him. Like, yeah, yeah. Take his shirt off, everyone goes yeah. crazy. But Endo just goes out there with the fucking abs ablazing, you know, looking <laughs> looking as good as he does. Um, and the fucking the asymmetrical tights. I always like it in theory and hate it in execution. I've never seen anyone rock the asymmetrical tights and have it look good. Um, yes, it, is, it doesn't really work. Like it doesn't. I'm, it, I, I don't. I don't know. But I don't know. I'm trying to think. Has anyone ever made that work? No, it's never looked good. I always like it in theory. Like I think it's a cool idea or whatever, but it doesn't work. Anyways, this match is like you got. Uh, I guess what is it? Damned hearts. Um, outside, around the entire match, basically like picking sides or not. Like it's fucking weird. Like. That's why I say, like, this is so cool for, like, if you want that drama, like, this is it. I Like, I want to tell all of the LIJ stands, like, just watch this. Like, this is what you want. Like, it's fucking goofy. It's all really surface level. It's, like, but it's, like, aesthetically way much more pleasing. You don't have, like, the creature growing on fucking Sonata's face. You got Tetsuya Endo, who's, like, way prettier. Um, you've got just, like, they don't give a fuck. They're not trying to even pretend, like, it makes any fucking sense. You've got... Like, the same people going back and forth inter- interfering on different people's behalves. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they've got the same stable yeah. as outside, and sometimes they cheat for fucking Sasaki, sometimes they cheat for Endo. They don't care. You know, you know, you know what this almost feels like? <laughs> like, I don't mean this as an insult, but it's like, when, it's almost like a really good, like, it almost feels like a really good, like, SNL, like, parody. Yes. Of, like, something stupid going on. Right. Like... Like you see, like here you are have like have damnation in the split and everything that's go that's going on between Endo and Sasaki and then like how the faction is acting on the outside as th- as things happen and then like in the real version is you have fucking evil turning and joining Bullet Club right and Dick Togo's here for some reason <laughs> and like, <laughs> it's like what the, like it's like okay like you like it, it's like a really good like SNL parody of something being stupid in real life yes exactly and that's why it rocks it's it is it, you know what it is it's 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 not even SNL it's uh it's mad it's not even mad yeah. TV it's mad magazine like. <laughs> you know, it's it it really is like that level of like crude, stupid parody, and the fact that in the end they're just like back together. I fucking yeah, yeah that rocks. That rocks so hard. Meanwhile, the match itself like had some good stuff. There's some leg work and some leg selling by Endo that's like novel, but like at the same time they like 
they didn't really go all out and they weren't trying to have like some epic like storytelling match you know they were just like fucking around they brought like again they brought like some sense of urgency is a great way to describe it without like having any real violence or intensity but that's okay like again this is this is meant to be kind of goofy but it like if you look at it as like a lampoon of the lij stuff it's like perfect it really is like there's there's sometimes where like sometimes a satire can actually become like the actual best version of something it's like super yeah, rare uh, 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 what is worth we're not saying that this is a satire of this match it's like but just like we will you like look at it though it like it, like it does, like like you you could how similar Lij yeah. and Damnation are. Like it's easy to look at this and be like, man, this feels like almost feels like a pa- like a parody. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Well, what I was gonna say is like um, Star Trip Star Starship Troopers, the movie, right? Um, by uh, Verhoeven as the director, and like he's so entrenched in like doing like a a satire or a parody version of like a, a like a, a nationalistic like right-wing reactionary like like dystopian future that it becomes like the best version of that story like even though it, it theoretically on paper is being told by someone who like disagrees with it like you know and like that's kind of like where this situation is like and Again, that's not intentional. <laughs> like you said, they're not they're not trying to do a parody of that, but that's what this ends up feeling like. Where it's like this is like becomes like this amazing version of this story where you're like parodying it, but it's like almost like you're doing a tribute to it. Um in a way that like they'll never do. New Japan would never let them have this and that like this is what makes it work. Why wouldn't a group of all fucking shitty heels like just Again, like trade alliances back and forth, constantly trying to fucking undercut each other, constantly trying to like backstab each other, only to in the end just be like, actually, it's it's cool. We're all buddies. Like, come on. Like, how do you not? How do you not like think that that's the perfect way to tell this story? Like, you know. So yeah, that's that's where I came out of it. Um, I thought that this was great. Uh, the work, everything else about it, like fine. I don't know. What did you say? What would what would you? You say it was the best match on the of the ones that you watched. Uh, Akiyama Akiyama versus Takashita, okay. but like, obviously, like I'm a big I'm a big Takashita guy, and Endo and Sasaki, like they can both be like pretty hit or miss in big spots for me, and like this story with Damnation wasn't exactly like you know it's not for me, so Takashita versus uh versus Akiyama was my thing. Okay, well, what did you think of the main event? Main event main event was fine, like. As far as as far as the work, I thought Endo Endo did good selling and everything that you pointed out. Um, I thought I thought kept the I thought kept the pace solid for a twenty seven minute match, but like it's like as far as like the other like storyline elements, like I guess not something I really care about. So at the end of the day, it's coming down to the work for me. It didn't really get me invested invested either way in the story or the outcome. But as far as the work side, it's it's it. It's, it's, like you said, it's, it's like a. It's like the best possible version of those dog shit evil versus Nitro matches. <laughs> yes. Um. All right. So. Power struggle. New Japan Power Struggle, twenty twenty. We get no. the worst no. possible version of the no. evil versus Nitro no. matches. No. The main no. event. No. 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 Look, uh, 
<laughs> Executive decision. Move <laughs> on. Shit. Move on. Um, Yano versus Zack Sabre Jr., though. What did you think? Their their match in, in the G1 was much better. Yeah, I guess it's, I guess they, they got kind of they got kind of adventurous here, but I thought I thought this was still fun. Yeah, I liked um, tying the 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 pad back on. I thought that that was funny. Yeah, like I like it. Um, I don't, yeah, Zach's New Japan career is so weird. Yes, like he goes he goes from like from like having a strong G one his first year to winning New Japan Cup and getting the main event. Uh, Sakura Genesis, and like, and now it's just like kind of done. Like he's feuding with Yano, and it's not that feuding with Yano is bad. Like he's still a tag champ and all that shit. It's just like man, like his career is just so weird in New Japan so far. Yeah, it's like I look at him and his situation and everything that's going on, and I want him to be like Billy Robinson or something. You know what I mean? Like, and I just don't think that's gonna happen. So it's like I'm almost like it just crossed my mind now. It's like. Like he could be like Rollerball Rocco, you know. Like he, if they had put a mask on him, like he could be that kind of guy who's like never like a, a top level guy, but like in the mid card, junior heavyweight kind of really good, but you know whatever. But uh, it is interesting to see what they're gonna end up doing with him. Um, the other thing I just wanted to talk about this, and I don't even care about talking about like the match, but the Great Okan <laughs> gimmick in New Japan is like insanely racist and people don't are just like completely overlook it like he's a japanese guy who's playing a mongolian chinese character who like is supposed to be like he screams and does all this stuff because that's what like you know uncivilized chinese people do and it's just fucking weird (laughs) that they're letting that on there you know what i mean like People overlook yeah. it completely, and it's like Osprey is like also problematic. But like, damn, his whole stable is problematic as hell. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I feel like everyone's kind of like stayed away from that. I don't know why, yeah. but, every, but everyone's everyone's kind of stayed stayed away from that. But that is a very fair point to make. It's fucking weird, man. I'm not a. I'm not gonna say that I like. I can't say much because culturally I'm not Japanese and I'm also not Chinese, so I don't really know like completely the ins and outs of everything. But it does feel odd that in 2020, like people act like, oh, New Japan, like they do such a great job with like X, Y, and Z. But it's also like, damn, dude, in 2020 they're doing like a straight up like a Japanese guy is playing a Chinese stereotype character. That's fucking weird. <laughs> that is very weird to think about in 2020 is that's being allowed. To happen. Going yeah. back to what I was talking about earlier with, like, Italians playing Native Americans, right? Like, what the fuck? Alright, cool, I guess. Um, Shingo versus Minoru Suzuki. Uh, this fucking rocked. Yes. Yes. This was the best match on the show. Um, yeah, and Shingo gets to... Shingo gets to have a big match at Wrestle Kingdom, presumably. Hey. Like... You know, like I don't know, we're, we're like now we're in the tag league, and I don't know what the plan is, but hopefully it's not some like fucking fatal four way or triple threat or some shit. I think I want it to be Shingo versus somebody. It can be Ishii. It can be whoever the fuck. Like I just give Shingo his Wrestle Kingdom singles match. That dude has more than earned that shit. This match ruled. Uh, 
Minoru Suzuki uh, just it's weird people keep like there's always this weird time people want to like write off Minoru Suzuki and then again like here he goes has another fucking great match and then like you gotta keep like re-examining where you have Minoru Suzuki <laughs> on like your all-time pantheon like same thing with Shingo too like Shingo's been fucking incredible for like 15 for 15 years but Minoru Suzuki is like man like every time you feel like Minoru Suzuki like might not be like you know as good like the dude has this like the best match on the sh- the best match on the show yeah it, like you know and granted you could say that like it like you know that there it wasn't like a lot of competition here but like they weren't supposed to be the best match on the show when you look at like there's a Kenta versus Tanahashi match. There's a Jay White versus Ibushi. You know, you would hope your you would hope your thirty three minute thirty three minute main event was better. Like Minoru Suzuki just always just like overperforms, and I don't I, at this point it's like a Masaki Mochizuki thing. Where it's like, dude, like I don't know, like why, like why would I ever doubt Minoru Suzuki again? Yeah, there's, it's it. You're really stupid too, honestly. If anyone doubts Suzuki, it's like. A very dumb call. And it's like you were saying, like, there's no reason to it's oh, is he having a career year? And it's like kind of not. Like he's kind of just having the level of performances that he's always had, but in twenty twenty, with the limited fans and all of the situation, like the most Minoru Suzuki style and the matches that he has are like really good in this in yeah, this. Like, it's like a feel like a godsend, like dude. Yeah. That like, like you you forget this like the Moxley match was this year. Yes. Or fucking uh, the Nagata match from the first round, <laughs> first uh, yeah, round the of the New Japan Cup. Yeah, it's unreal. He's he's also that is fair that he's also getting really good opponents this year for him for him and his style. But it is like he is not ever like shitting the bed. He's always a hundred percent delivering, over delivering, giving you exactly what you want. But it is like damn, like he's getting like. Shingo Nagata is is you know whatever Moxley like he's getting good opponents and he's he was he was he was in he was in the best G one block got to go against Shingo Jay White Abushi Osprey yeah. <laughs> Okada <laughs> like Ishi like, you know, yeah. like oh dude God. he just he, he he just he just got a good draw this year I guess he's had a good draw he's had good settings like he is a guy who his style. He never half-asses it. And that's another thing that, like, you can say whatever you want about Suzuki. And, like, he does, he does, you know, sometimes, like, play up the the goofy faces and all that stuff. But he never fucking takes a night off. Like, this guy, he works as hard as he can for his age. Like, he always works super fucking hard. And, like, yeah, he, he makes goofy faces and he jumps on all this stuff. But it gets fucking over and the crowd's into it. And at the end of the day, wrestling is about getting the most out of the least, and this guy gives the most and then gets, like, on even more on top of it. So you can't fucking shit on him. Like, you really cannot. Like, sure, he acts goofy, but the crowd eats that shit up, and he could go out there and do some of the stinkers that he's done in, the you know, in Europe in the past, where he can come out and, like, just do goofy faces and, like, fucking, like, like basically just completely no-sell people and, and, and big league them. But he doesn't in new japan ever like he always fucking brings it and he was bringing it in rev pro like the guy that's like he's a really solid worker he rarely takes time off and when he does it's like really noticeable when you see him give like a like fucking you know phoning it in performance you can really tell 
and so it's like that it it stands out because it's so fucking rare you know so yeah like, or, or 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 like when he like really turns it up when you like for, don't, don't realize how much you missed him mm-hmm. like after moxley um had that match with juice on a uh, night two of wrestle on night two of wrestle kingdom and then like we had all, all these reports of um suzuki goon was leaving new japan and then misu's music hits yes in the and they lose their fucking minds like he like he, he, you always want to see him which is like there's not something you can say for like for most people at 52 years old like i'm not gonna want to see hiroshi tanahashi 52 years old like yeah a 52 year old hiroshi tanahashi isn't gonna be as good as Minoru suzuki Wait, no. <laughs> you know what i mean it's, it's just not like, the style you know that style just doesn't work at that age so like it's I I really think like this year, I think is just like you know with everything going on, it's like more like appreciate the people that like, you know like like that you know that they're gonna give that kind of effort like, no matter what it is like, Jonathan Gresham is gonna give you that same effort like no matter what Minoru Suzuki Timothy Thatcher like they're gonna give you that same effort no matter what and I really appreciate those guys this year yeah. Man, I can't wait to see, like, fucking 80-year-old Jonathan Gresham just rolling around on the mat. Dude, dude imagine, like, imagine, like, just, like, 40-year-old Gresham, like, all pissed <laughs> off. <laughs> yes. Ah, oh, it's gonna be so good. Um, not, nothing else to, like, review or, or get too in-depth on, but Jay White winning the, the briefcase. Like... Good match, good match, Stu. Good match. Okay. Um, match is good, but what do you think about that? What do you think about... Abushi, we felt like it was clear sailing. I don't know about you, but I did. I felt like Abushi was the guy who lost both of his matches at Wrestle Kingdom last year, and then he comes back and he's three three G one finals in a row, winning them back to back two years. And then he defends the briefcase, and the first time he defends it, he loses it. It felt like this was supposed to be clear sailing. We're making this guy. We talked about it. The last time we were I, reviewing New Japan, we talked about they're making him into the top level thing. What is this? Is this another bump in the road? Like it doesn't make any I sense. St- I still feel like Abushi is gonna wind up leaving both dumb shows as a champion. Okay. Um. because again, it'd be weird. You would have just had Jay win G one. Right. You know what I mean, like, so I still feel like the plan here is for Abushi to leave both nights as um. As the champ, because uh, now look at it, like he's won. He's been in three straight G one finals, and his fucking like he lost. He he lost the first one, one la one uh one last year, and then wind up losing two times at the dome. Wins again this year, and loses and loses in a, and loses in a briefcase de- briefcase defense. Like the idea here is that Abushi just keeps fucking up. Yeah, like and. I think with this, Abushi is gonna like he, he like 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 he's signed now, right? You think they're not gonna keep beating Abushi like a drum like that? Like Abushi's fucking 36, 37 years old. Like they're gonna get like return on investment with him. Like they wanna go get Abushi's big moment and get and, and get an Abushi title run out of this. Like I still think Abushi's gonna win on night one and then go in to face Jay on night two and redeem himself. I think that, you know, Jay was, uh, the person that put the nail in his coffin on night two and gave him a second loss has given him trouble all year. 
And I th- I, th- I think he's lost to Jay three times this year. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's lost to Jay three times this year. Like, you see what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. he lost to the same person three times. And now, uh, I, I think it's going to be Ibushi versus Jay White as the main event for night two. And it's going to do two things. It's going to give Ibushi his big moment. And it's also going to humble Jay White. That may, I mean, that does make sense. And it's like the idea that, yeah, like you said, that Jay White is gonna is now this big, big thing, this big task for him to overcome. Uh, so, yeah, he can, like, get the big first win over Jay White after losing so many times to him in a row. What? Yeah, like yeah, like you know, remember he beat him in the, he beat him in the G one final last year, but since yeah, yeah. then, like Jay's just had his number. So, right. I I, th- I I like I like that idea. The like now there's some meaning to it. Like okay, Abushi and Nigel have their history. That's fine, whatever. And the, and that's that match gonna be like the fireworks, the big spectacle. Like that's just gonna rule for like, from an action perspective. But right. like. Night two is gonna be like, man, is fucking Abushi gonna lose to Jay White again? <laughs> it is definitely like it definitely is a good way to like set some uh, some stakes on it, and hopefully, hopefully you're right because I think that it it's they're getting Abushi uh, yeah. Abushi cannot lose on night one again. That is not happening. Yeah. Fucking no way. Absolutely no way. And Jay White being the the best heel in wrestling is the a great big bad for him to overcome. He wrestles a fresh Jay White after he has like a big long knockout drag out fight the night before against Naito and wins the titles, and then he's going into the second night with Jay White ready to pick the bones, this, and he wins. This is, again. this is what ha- this is what happens like with New Japan characters arcs too. Like Ibushi gonna have his moment, but like. In order for like someone to take that next step in New Japan, a lot of the time they gotta get humbled. Like that's how they do it. Like mm-hmm. not and like not in like the events like I gotta break you down and build you up kind of mm-hmm. way, but like you gotta have that first big failure. Yeah. Like everyone, you know, rem- everyone kind of shits on when Naito didn't win the belt in 2018 or 2017, whatever the fuck it was, 2018. Yeah. But then Okado goes on to like keep setting this record this rec- this record title reign and then the momentum keeps building and building and building to when Naito when Naito's in this position again and it's like okay hold on shit like this is this is the moment like this is like this is it like right. everyone can say like oh like, it, it, it it worked it was the right thing to do it worked you could say like was either one wrong? I can't really say, but you can't sit there and tell me that they did the wrong thing when you still see the re- that we still see the result they got. Yeah. Um, and there's like, and, th- and that's go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, but that's the example here. It's like like you build like you give someone that failure of like here's their short thing. They're definitely gonna do it, and then they and then they lose or like something like Okada in 2015 at Wrestle Kingdom 9 like he coming in angry pissed off arrogant versus Tanahashi and he loses and he goes to the back crying like you like that's their way of like solidifying their stars and like the path they're going to travel now is that they give them like a failure in like the biggest stage yeah yeah no it makes sense it's it's the bump on the road it's the hiccup it's the it's the way the bit. I mean, I guess the biggest issue is like Abushi, like 
Because the post-match selling, the facials on Ibushi just don't... They look so, like, nothing. He just is so... He just is... It's impossible for him to show emotion. Like, he try. I, I think he's trying. It feels like he's trying, but I just don't... I don't, I don't think he it. knows how to show emotion. Yeah. He doesn't know how to show emotion with like when he's when, like when he's not genuinely crying. Right. Like, like when he like when he came back to New Japan, he genuinely was crying. Right. But like other than that, like meh, not really his thing. Yeah. So it's just it's kind of tough to see that. And, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully this is just another hiccup and it's a roadblock as they move forward. Abushi is not fucking. Abushi is not fucking losing to Naito. There is no way, man. I don't know, man. I mean. It's kind of, it's perfect, because, yeah, it, it plays into what you're saying. Like, Naito fans, hardcore Naito fans, like, had accepted, even when he had lost the title to Evil, there, I was hardcore Naito fans that were like, that's fine. Like, they yeah. they gave us what we wanted. He won, and that's, that's, like, that's, that's it. That's the thing. Like, that, all, yeah. all, they wanted were, all they wanted was their win. Like, you know, give him the title for you. Like, that's, all, that's all they wanted. Yeah. So it's just like, like, and then he gets it back, so it's like, okay, he's established. He's not just a... He won it that one time, whatever, fluke, that's it. Like, he got his thing. Like, okay, there's still something there. And, like, that's the good thing about New Japan is that they, they don't treat their ex-champions like, you know, complete garbage, you know. Um, and they still are, like, something. But it was, like, there were people that were, like, fine. They are like, oh, yeah, we accept it. We got the story that we wanted, and it's over. Now we move on. Um, well, yeah, but I, I, I don't know, like... Like obviously, like you know, JY has a briefcase, and he said, "Look, I'm I want my shot on night two. Yeah. So I don't know if like I think they I think they said JY is still going to wrestle on night one. No, they're saying he's, he's not going to wrestle. wrestle at all. Oh, the thing's not going to yeah, wrestle. He's, 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 really, he's, he's really he's really yeah. he's really not going to wrestle. Okay. Yeah. So he's going to be fresh for night two. Oh, that's that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, for, which is perfect. It tells the story perfect. I know. Like it's gonna it's gonna make it so great when he loses. Like that's the thing is like you're gonna sit there and like have and he's gonna have all this. He's gonna like. This is why it's perfect. Jay yeah. White's gonna have literally everything he could possibly want. He right. gets night two. He's off on night one. Ibushi and Naito drop each other in their fucking heads every time they face yep. each other. They, They're going they to have to kill go each to other. Like a sixty, almost sixty minutes. You know, they have to go like fifty nine point nine seconds. You know, like it's like it was like, dude, I'm to going to kill. I'm going yeah. to kill whoever this is tomorrow. And he still loses. Like that's like that's what's yep. gonna happen. <laughs> exactly. It's perfect. And like. You know, like I said, Jay White, best heel in, in the world, perfect person for um, Ibushi to overcome. You know, and yeah, it's like it's it's great. It's really well done, great storytelling, but it feels wrong, <laughs> and that's why it works. That's like why it's so good. Because in my <laughs> head, I'm like, no, like we were just supposed to. It was just supposed to be easy. We were just supposed like, to no, skate God, to the dome. God damn it! Yeah, no, but. But uh, but that's what that's it's, it's evoking that same emotion like mm-hmm. when Naito didn't win. It's like exactly. oh come come the fuck on come the fuck on man like you know biggest dome like biggest like dome crowd in years. This is perfect. Like Naito just won the G one. Yep. Like oh come on come come the fuck on man. This is so <laughs> stupid. Like I I remember I, I remember everything. Yeah. I remember how pissed everybody was. Yes. Like. But again, it just builds to it. So when like you do get that moment, it's like all that more gratifying. Yeah, it's the it's the delayed gratification. It works. Yeah, it really it, re- it really does. <laughs> all right. So speaking of delayed gratification, we've got a show where the main event made me feel like I'm praying for delayed gratification with uh, AEW's full gear. Um, 
So I mentioned it when we started the podcast, but like the big four for AEW, they only have four pay-per-views, right? Like a year right now. But where to you... Yeah, and then then they have like, like, it's like little specials or whatever right. too. But if you did like a direct comparison, for you, where does Full Gear land on the big four pantheon history of AEW so far? Because to me, I think surprisingly, I would put Full Gear as being like maybe the number two and possibly is becoming like the number one biggest or at least like in the history of the company, like the best pay-per-view that they have. I year over year. Would pro- I'd, I'd probably agree with you. I have to go I have to go look at the card from last year. But I think look this year, I, I have no problem saying I'm not sure this isn't the best AEW show ever. Right. I, I really, I really do, I really do think that. So let me go. So let me go through here. Um, Bucks versus Proud and Powerful, Pat, Pat versus Page, uh, Spears Janela, SU versus Private Party versus Lucha Brothers, Riho versus Emi Sakura, uh, Jericho versus Cody, Kenny versus Moxley. Um, this is a solid card. I could see saying that, but then I probably would still have. I, I, I probably have like a still be like double or nothing over that probably. Okay. Um. But uh, but uh, Bob will say about full gear, right? Yeah, year over year, I think that like, yeah, I I think that in terms of hierarchy, like, I think I I would say it's second. I think that like, and that's a good way to do it. I think that like, all out is like the big like summer blowout kind of thing, or like dinner or fall close to like end of summer, like end of summer kind of thing, and then like. December is like oh shit like where like where are we going like where are we gonna go from here, right? It's like the reset, but yeah, like also showing you that like that doesn't mean that we're not on our game. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean we're never like coasting. Like you know, like WrestleMania season, you know, after after the Royal Rumble, everything is like biding time, really. Right. Like AEW doesn't AEW has nothing where it feels like that yet. Yes. Yeah, so far. I mean, yeah, I'm just I'm looking at it. And it's like in the pantheon of the stuff. Full gear like com- continues, or repeatedly two years in a row. Full gear feels like number one, number two is definitely very fair. Like in the pantheon, and, and, I, feel, and I and I really do feel like this show is probably the best AEW show ever. But like, I know there's at least one match where I I know I'm a lot higher on it than like it seems like a lot of people are. Right. So like that's probably so that's so like that's probably the thing there for me. That's a giveaway, I guess. We'll uh we'll talk about it. It's not uh I don't know. I think that you're higher than me. We'll see how far off we are. But we open up. Did you watch the buy-in match? I did not. I was gonna watch the buy-in because I thought Cassidy versus Silver was on it. Then when I heard that moved up, I did. I just okay. stayed with the main show. Serena Deeb uh defending the NWA title against um. Allison K, AK forty seven, is fine, but it was like I don't know. Too much of the match was playing off of like weird interpolitics between AEW and NWA stuff, and then obviously the post match Thunder Rosa shows up. Um, so it just feels like they're focusing too much on that kind of palace intrigue when it comes to what the fuck is the deal with the NWA to to let you like focus on the match. That said, like I said, the match was good. Um, Serena Deeb is a good champion for the NWA, uh, and Deeb is good. Yeah, and I get why they would want someone like Thunder Rosa to be the champion because she's she'd get more attention. But honestly, like, 
no one's going to pay attention to, to, to the NWA anyways. Um, and I also think it's odd that, like, so many people are talking shit or continue to talk about, like, how bad and how poor the AEW women's roster is. But it's like, well, they're, like, kind of... You can say that directly about the AEW ro- women's roster or whatever, but, like, they do kind of bolster their roster with the NWA women's talent, like, which shows that they obviously are trying... Like, and they know that they don't have the strongest women's division, so they fill it out with, like, women from NWA intentionally. And, like, these are two of the best female wrestlers on the planet who aren't signed to WWE. And that's, like, the other issue is, like, if you're a female wrestler who wants to, like, have a chance to do something, like, WWE is the place to be. Like, WWE's women's roster is the only roster that they treat well. (laughs) It's the only roster that they book properly. Like uh, and they I mean, still kind of I mean, fuck it I mean, up a lot. I mean, I mean M- M- Impact, Impact, they treat them well. Yeah, but Impact for the most part. But I'm saying like WWE, the only roster that they have that they treat well is the women's roster. They don't book the men well. They only book the women okay, and they let them have good wrestling matches. You know what I mean? Like, if you <laughs> want to be a good wrestler, like WWE is probably the place to be for the mix of actually getting to have good matches, being booked pretty well, and making a ton of money. Like that's the place to be. Like. I could totally see as a man, like, as a male wrestler, you don't necessarily say, like, 100% sign with WWE. But, like, as a female wrestler, like, yeah, there's no reason not to. They don't really fuck around with the women as much as they do with the men. So you can, like, be a really good wrestler in WWE. Like, obviously, Deanna Perrazzo got fucked over, but whatever. But for the most part, they, like, actually treat women, the women with some respect. So it's not... I I think that Deanna, like, mainly got, like, screwed there just, like... She's clearly has like a like a super high talent level, but like people, there were already people that just were ahead of her. So right. like, so like, it was a very it was a very weird thing. Like Tegan, Dakota Kai, uh, Candice at that point, Mia Yim. Like there were a lot of people that were that were like ostensibly ahead of her, right? And like that sucks because like Deanna is super talented and she should be like the face of a division somewhere. But like, yeah, like, like, like she, but she's like the only example really, I guess maybe Bianca Belair right now where it feels like right. they're just kind of like not doing what they should be doing with her. But okay, yeah, like for the most part, they usually like, okay, we'll just stay out. We'll just stay out of their way. Like don't have the good matches right now. Right. Well, and to be fair, Bianca Belair is black. So it is still WWE. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> like you have to keep I when I say something like they treat these people fairly, you have to always remember that it's WWE and they're never going to treat a black wrestler fairly. Um like we just have not seen that at all at this point. But uh but yeah, so like it's it's tough for AEW to put a women's roster together because like why wouldn't they sign with WWE? It's not like the men. Like they are lucky that they're they can get good male wrestlers like eddie kingston like of course like even if wwe was interested in him and there is like some rumors and stories that there was a time where they wanted him in there as a trainer or whatever the fuck they wanted but like yeah why would he sign because they're they want him to be a trainer they don't want him to let him do what he wants to do like he's one of the fucking best yeah you just saw you just saw what they did to chris hero exactly (laughs) yeah why are you gonna sign up to do that like exactly so it's just like fuck that but if you're a, a female wrestler, like, why the fuck would you not sign with WWE? So, anyways, doesn't matter. Opening match, buy-in match was fine. 
the opening match of the pay-per-view. This was kind of shocking to me when it started out. They were starting out the show with this. Kenny Omega versus Adam Page. Um, Quentin, give me your thoughts on this match. I, I like the placement of this. I like when you like go and like see how the rest of the car played out. Like... This didn't need the extra bullshit. This didn't need, like, any melodrama or anything like that. Like, it was a pretty clear-cut story. Like, Kenny was tired of the tag team. He's tired of dealing with Hangman's shit. You know what? I'm gonna go be a singles guy because I'm so much better than everybody else. And, like, it, it, like that's what that's what all it was. Like, these two guys trying to go out there and prove who's better. And, like, the finish was super decisive. Like, Kenny just straight up was better than Hangman towards the end. And Hangman fought like fuck to get out of that, uh one-winged angel but everything about that finish and then like it was a great match it was super good back and forth i can't wait to see these two uh face each other down the line again 2021 but like this this was just made it super clear how they're presenting it how they're presenting kenny that hangman is not on kenny's level level right now like we saw kenny turn it on and be like look like you guys cannot fuck with me i am really that like i'm really the best wrestler here yeah and this was perfect and opening the show with this like you said like to me i was kind of shocked but it was it was great it was the great best way to do this i i don't want them to fall into this trap of doing this all the time because it is a wwe trope um that a lot of people have bought into at this point a lot of people have bought into the wwe trope where you know the only the only matches you want to be in is the opener or the main event, and everything else is whatever. Everything else is card filler, but you want to be in the opener or the main event because the opener, you know. And to me, I like an opener match that is a low stakes but can still be high octane match with like people who are trying to earn their spot to being higher on the card, so they're giving it one hundred and ten percent or whatever. I think that something like this worked really well here in this setting, and I thought that this was great. But I don't want this to become the trope. Where you basically make the opening match of the show is the second most important match on the on the show, and then the main event is the most important match on the show. Like, I just I'm not, I don't want them to fall into that. In this one setting, I thought it was done well. I just don't want it to become the thing. That's fine, but the story of the match was phenomenal. But not just like the work on the match, but this is why AW is is so fantastic right now as a wrestling company. It's like this story was told not just in the match, but this story was set up. This story was built to. This story, the commentators knew the story and were telling it. JR interviewed Adam Page backstage and he asked him, you know, how do you feel about the match? He says, you know, I'm confident. I know, I know everything. I've been watching Kenny. I know everything that Kenny has and I know every counter for it. And JR says, I don't think that that whiskey in your hand is the first one you had today. I don't think you're as confident as, as you're saying you are. Um, and, you know, I think that you've, you're have you spooked. You got the jitters. And JR's putting over the fucking the storyline on commentary. They put over the storyline in the commentary. You watch the match, and Adam Page is countering everything that Kenny has. He's got counters. He's got everything he can for Kenny the entire match. It doesn't fucking matter. Adam Page might know Kenny in and out. Adam Page might know what to expect. He knows what's coming. It plays into even the finish. At every point in this match, Adam Page was never thrown off. He was never off his game. If anything, Kenny Omega was thrown off when his knee gets tweaked and he has to grab a fucking front face lock to like 
steady himself because he's his his base is off and he has to make sure that his leg is fine before he feels comfortable moving forward. Like in the entire match, Adam Page is never off of his game, but it doesn't fucking matter. He's in there with the best wrestler on the planet. He's in there with a guy that you can 100% know what's coming and there's nothing you can do about it. Kenny Omega is going to like steamroll you. You can be prepared to counter everything he has. You can be prepared. You can have watched all the footage, and there's nothing you can do because this guy is too damn good. And that was the story that it doesn't, they told. It, do, it doesn't matter. It do, like all that shit doesn't matter. It all goes out the window once hit once his knees actually in your face. Yes, exactly. And that's the story that they told. They set the story up. It's fucking beautifully executed here, to where even at the last moments, there was never a time where Paige was out of it. Paige kept fighting. He kept fighting, and he kept fighting until the second the one wing angel hits, and then bang. It's over. Lights out, and you're done. And that was, like, why this match, like, the story was told perfectly. The way that they delivered it, like, everything about it. And that's why it still leaves that, like, what's next kind of thing. Because it is, like, there's no way Kenny can just be that good every day. There's no way that a guy can be that, like, excellent at wrestling that even if you can get countered, even if someone can see your fastball coming, that they just can't do anything about it. At some point... Page has to be able to catch him, right? So that's why you want to see it. You want to see can he catch it? But at the same time, you're like in awe of seeing Kenny Omega being as good as he is that you want to continue to see him be that great. It's like such a great story. It's it's like executed perfectly. They set it up like fuck yes. And then we move into like Kenny is now, and I've heard people talking about it, but they said it on commentary. Maybe I think they even said it on the in the introduction, but like. They didn't just say that that the winner of the match is getting a title shot. They said the winner of the match is getting the next title shot. Because people were, like, questioning, are they going to stretch this out to the next pay-per-view? And I'm like, the next pay-per-view is, like, I mean, four months away. Are they going to have um, no title shots for four months? I mean, it's, Fe- it's February. I think, Re- yeah. I think Revolution is February. Okay, so it's a little bit sooner. But still, are they going to have no title matches until February? I is Moxley like, going to to Wrestle Kingdom and he's taking a month off maybe in January? I don't know. I I would say um, here's why I don't think it matters. Right. Is that you have the TNT title and you have the tag titles. Right. So I think just with like the tag titles and the TNT title, like depending on what they, whatever they want to do with Darby, like whether he just hot potatoes it back to Cody, um, does a program with that with, uh, with the with FT with FTW, maybe Darby versus Ars Cassidy, uh, like you know, like guys like Pack and Kingston, like you know, there's a Phoenix versus uh, you know Phoenix starts Phoenix is clearly breaking off from that little group. Like there is a lot going on right now, right? So I feel like you know from here, which is like you know, um, as as we record November November ninth, like I feel like there's more than enough stuff going on right now to like. Make it not even notice- noticeable that Mox hasn't defended the title. Not Mox hasn't defended the title in a little bit. Right. So they could get away with it, and they could have the first. They could have this title match be at the next pay per view in February, and Moxley could take a month off to go drop the New Japan United States title to Kenta at the Dome. That would be weird. Why would you do Mox versus Kenta? I really felt like Tanahashi should have won the the briefcase. Really, if you're gonna do that match, you know, but. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see where it goes. But it does... Either way, it's like people are talking about it like all this and that, teasing this and that. But it is like 
They said the next title shot. They said the you know the 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 next title shot that will happen is going to be Kenny Omega. Like that was yeah, and, 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 and yeah, and they already and they already came out and teased like Kenny versus Moxley during the show. Right. So it's like that that is happening. It is weird because if you think about it in terms of like if Kenny is going to win, which a lot of people seem to think that that's the way it goes, then you've got Archer. Archer is still owed a title shot and should be the next would be the challenger after that. And I don't know. There, there I, I, been like I, a Kenny I, Archer I, I thing. Think, Go ahead. I feel like maybe I feel like maybe they like might have said might have did it weirdly because like you do still have the Mox Archer the Moxley versus Ar- Moxley and Archer thing going yeah. on so like and that and that could perfectly tide you over until Revolution so like we'll see if they even like hold their word hold their word on that right if like that's like concrete we'll see but like either way I think they'd be fine yeah I just I just think like it doesn't if if. Kenny Omega is getting the next title shot. I don't know how set in stone it is that Kenny wins the title because I don't know that you go from, you know, Kenny versus Kenny winning the title from Mox to Kenny versus Archer. You just don't have anything there on top of the fact that like Kenny feels like he's pretty solidly turning heel. I think, you know, Mox Archer has a bunch of history already built up and it feels like that's where you're going. I don't know. So either way, follow that up. John Silver versus Orange Cassidy. Um, Best PWG match of the year. Yeah, I mean, it's the only PWG match of the year, so sure. But (laughs) (laughs) this was phenomenal. I mean, these guys, the commentary's putting it over. These guys really fucking killed it out here. Um, John Silver showed the fuck up, man. Like, I was so so happy. Yes. Like, once they got the initial initial comedy stuff out the way, like, like, that dude showed up. And, like, you know Orange Cassidy, like, he always gives great effort in the in, in in spots like this but silver realized like okay i've been getting over i've had the bte thing is going well for me like my personality but guess what i can work and i'm gonna go out there and show that i can work so like he's gonna be funny gonna be like the, the goof the goofball on 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 bte and then shows yeah i can go out there and have matches like this too have you been watching the bte stuff yeah, I've I've caught I've caught up on it the last yeah because I know that you're the only so. you're literally the only person I know other than Dave Meltzer who watches BTE. So, um, <laughs> how has what is not Silver, great not great company not the best? Um, how has Silver been on BTE? Because I get like he's goofy and the people are starting to like him, but like he's hilarious. He, yeah, like, he's, he's like he's so like funny. he's 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 complete comedic relief. He's super fucking funny. And like he gets a lot of he gets a lot of uh, screen time for it. the Dark Order are hilarious in general. Like you know, right. getting, getting to see like them like turned into like you know because they were so fucking serious and broody at first, and then, so to see them like kind of like, slowly devolve into just being like goofballs has been the best thing about this. Like Evil Uno, Stu, Silver, Reynolds, uh, Alan Angels is all like fucking like goofing around oh, yeah. backstage. It's, it's, that, that shit that shit rules. That is uh, like the perfect goof troop wrestlers, honestly. Dude, like you like I would I would recommend watching some of the more recent BTE stuff just to see the Dark Order. Yeah. It seems like it. I mean, it's very funny to see the only Dark Order motherfucker on the show is John Silver here. There's no other Dark Order yeah. on the show. Yeah, like Brody Brody Lee is nowhere to be found. He's becoming the thing. I loved I loved him hitting the uh he used to do like a, a rack, a torture rack, uh blue thunder bomb, but he does just like the torture rack into like the F ten or whatever, like the big crazy throw. I loved that. Um 
But yeah, the, both these guys, both these guys are so good. Both these guys, both these guys. I'm at, I'm back <laughs> at PWG. Um, both these guys are so good at being goofy comedy, but also being able to turn it up and like be serious wrestlers. Like that, you you have to respect how good they are. You know, like like it's just. It sucks. It's always it's always gonna suck that unfortunately like people just can't get it in their head that like this kind of stuff works, but it does. But it doesn't fucking matter if if you know Cornette understands it because fucking AEW gets it. Tony Khan can learn. Like he, I heard him on the interview recently and he's like talking about like Orange Cassidy was one of the guys that he just didn't get, and now Orange Cassidy has been on pay per views like at least how many like three in a row I think this makes. Dude, like yeah. Here, here's the thing, like. When you look at the next wave of AEWs, like by people who who could be stars in AEW, like from your initial like you know Moxley, Omega, Bucks, Cody, um, and then the kind of quote like the kind of like next tier like the MJFs and Hangman, your next stars are fucking Darby Allen, Orange Cassidy, and like maybe John Silver, right? And that's insane that's like incredible to, th- to think about <laughs> well especially for guys like me and well, you oh, f- fucking ricky starks like yeah. R- ricky starks too like you're yeah. like next wave of aw stars is like john silver orange cassidy ricky starks and darby allen right guys that me and you have been talking about for years at this point the guys who we like we're scared we're gonna be another lost generation of wrestling who just don't fucking don't get the chances don't get the shots and that's why AEW rocks. I fucking love AEW because these guys are getting a shot. And they're not just getting like a cursory, like, oh, okay, like, we'll let you go be on TV. They're like, if you get over, then you fucking get over and you get to move forward. And you get pushed in bigger and better places over and over like, again. Like, 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 Ricky, like, Ricky Starks is in the same, like, group as Brian Cage. Like, Brian Cage, like, yeah. former Impact Champion. Um... Like staple in Lucha Underground, like all the like all this shit, right? Ricky Starks is getting to the point where like he's looking like the Shawn Michaels yep. of the group. Yeah, like like AEW is like, and then and then on top of that, he sells like a like he sells like a Will, like a Will Hobbs, like a, like a project guy, right? That they could work on like a Wardlow, a guy that they can still work on to take their time with. Like so, they're gonna have their still like their big muscle guys that can be intimidating like every like every like pro wrestling company does and not that they're wrong for doing that but then like your next guys after that that you might be able to flip a switch on are orange cassidy silver darby and ricky starks yes that's 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 crazy it rules it's it's awesome but speaking of darby the next match is a big match for darby um before we get into it where do you come down on darby being a piece of shit because you know, there's a lot of wrestlers who are shitty. The Darby yeah. stuff and the Darby stories are, they sound very bad, but I don't know how, you know, I don't know how much they are, like, beyond just being, like, a, sh- a, a shitty boyfriend, you know, or manipulative, all that stuff, but it, it, it fucking sucks. And I see people who are really upset about it, and they're like, well, AEW just lost a fan, you know, and, oh, they just keep wanting to put over fucking abusers. And I I get it, and it really sucks because he hasn't come out and said anything, but it also feels like, I don't know, I, 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 I don't know how to say it. It doesn't feel like anyone has, like, accused him of committing a crime. So 
it sucks to be like, well, I'm sorry, like you can't like do anything about it because you should be able to, and I feel like he should apologize because you know I've talked about that I don't believe in the carceral state, and so I don't necessarily like think that the end all be all is what is judicially acceptable under the law. Yeah, like not 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 everything like you know like we like don't believe in like punitive you know punitive justice, right? So it is kind of like just because he can skate by and say like nothing I did was legal doesn't mean that he shouldn't like face something and say that he's sorry. I wish that he would. But that said, I mean, I love his wrestling. I mean, you know, I mean, I mean like, look, I, I mean, I've had to make my stance like on this stuff like a little bit clearer when I did the show with Joseph. It's like if anyone is turned off by anything. Like, whether you stop watching wrestling completely because you were so turned off by speaking out and some of the things that have happened, um, you know, after, after which, um, if you don't want to watch certain wrestlers, like, whatever it is, like, I totally understand and acknowledge that, and I don't think that's, like, invalid at all. I completely understand. My thing is, is just, like... You know, it's it's just hard for me to sit there and like make this like hard like moral stand on anything wrestling related because like there's a seedy fucked up culture attached to like yeah. any kind of media you consume. So like whether you're like whether you like video games, whether you like makeup, whether you like sports, music, movies and movies and TV um, the tech world, whatever, like, whatever, like, with podcasting, whatever your thing is, like, there's a lot of horror stories and, like, rampant patriarchy and misogyny going all through these cultures and all through these, like, mediums of entertainment. So, like, it's hard for me just to sit there and, like, you know, like, and, like, look at wrestling and, like, slap wrestling on the wrist and be like, oh, bad wrestling. Right. Because, like, you know, like, that's, you know, that's the reality of just, like, everything that we consume. So it feels, like, weird to me to just make that stand when it comes to wrestling. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the way to put it. So I will say that this is, this is kind of our version of a trigger warning, I guess, is that we don't just say trigger warning, but we get into an in-depth, like, conversation about what does it mean to support someone who's shitty. And trigger warning, if you don't want to hear praise of like shitty people don't listen to the review of this next match but cody rhodes versus darby allen this is phenomenal i mean realistically this is the best, this is the best it's, i was the best match on the show yeah i mean darby allen is fucking amazing like we've talked about him a bunch a bunch i fucking hated him for the longest time i thought that he was uh, just, like, dude, the spot monkey i i was i was sitting there like dude like he, like i was sitting there like begging you like dude like you gotta actually watch him yeah and i was trying to sit there and tell you like you have to actually watch what he does you're like oh no nah, fuck him like dude like really just watch him just watch him one time <laughs> and i appreciated what he was doing but i just and i knew he was a buddy wayne student which like buddy wayne has all of his issues you know rest in peace you know um but like I just, I was like, this guy just, I don't want to fucking watch this guy kill himself. Like, that was the thing. It's like, I just, repeatedly, I was just like, I'm done with, like, seeing this guy fucking deal with stuff that 
I mean, like we already talked about with his background, like he probably should be dealing with with a therapist instead of in a wrestling ring, like instead or like Gabe, or, or, or more so like Gabe enabling him. Yeah, well, like, that too. We see we we like we see like the kind of wrestler that Darby can be. Right. Like we see we've seen like Darby versus Thatcher, Darby versus Walter, and like other Darby things where he's not being that. Like, if anything, like you can kind of say that Gabe like saw that and was kind of like enabling him. Right. More than like seeing like this super talented guy that could go down as like a fucking like generations like you know like like Rey Mysterio or some shit. Right. Well, I mean that goes back again to Gabe's connection to Paul Heyman. Gabe's connection through that to, you know, Kevin Sullivan and all the stuff I was talking about earlier. The the, the fucking old school carny bullshit where it's like, yeah, this guy wants to do all this stupid shit. Let's let him. Like, why the fuck was New Jack allowed to do the stuff that New Jack did? Like, realistically, the guy was, like, fucking not just a danger to himself, but he was a danger to other people. Repeatedly, he was unprofessional. You know what I mean? But Paul Heyman was like, yeah, you know, people want to see this. It's fun. And that was the same thing that Gabe was doing with Darby. And that's why Darby talked about it in the past, where he talked about Gabe kind of taking advantage of him. Even as much as, like, you know, he wants to be thought of as, like, this badass, crazy dude. But, like, Gabe did take advantage of him. And, like let this guy fucking do this crazy shit while he was barely and, getting and, paid. And, Dar- and, Darby, and Darby's young. Like, yeah. when, that, when that stuff was happening, Darby was like 23, 24 years old. Like, and, and a, a guy that was just, like, making it out of that scene. Right. And, like, he made his name. He was like, you know, like a, lot, like a lot of people do. Like, they'll let people take liberties with them or do, do or they want to do something crazy for the sake of being remembered and say for the sake of, yeah. for the sake of being booked again. I mean, he was a fucking pay for play guy. Like go back to ROH, you know, pay for play bullshit. Like Darby was a guy who did a fucking tryout camp to get a match. A match where he then let himself get thrown into a pole outside of the ring that became like a viral fucking thing. Like this guy was like trying so hard to get noticed that he was willing to do anything. And then you turn around and you have this match and he's going up against like for whatever you want to say about Cody Rhodes, and I get it 100%, like, Cody is a professional. Cody is not out here to take advantage of people. Cody is just trying to, like, realistically, Cody is trying to do the best for himself and for wrestling. You know what I mean? Like, it's not necessarily... Like the other way around. <laughs> like Cody is not for, thinking for, about for, wrestling like, first. For all the comparisons that like Cody might get to like Triple H, like you know, like for all like the narcissism and like lack of self awareness that may happen with Cody, like I feel like he actually cares about wrestling, right? Which is like more than I can say for like a lot of people. And like going to praise Cody for a second, this is the best Cody Rhodes performance ever. Yes, like pretty like easily like cody was incredible in this i I didn't like i I can't even like mince my words i cody was amazing in this match and And he's had an awesome year like he had the brody dog collar match he had the stuff for orange cassidy and that's and that that's that stuff really good and here again with darby like cody look when he was sitting there getting all these like big grandiose matches, um, the Dustin, like the like the Dustin uh, big bloody brawl and uh, the match against the Bucks, um, the MJF match, the Jericho match, like I feel like now that he's gotten that out of his system, like 
we're now seeing Cody at like what he's best at. Cody is best like being this guy, being like that like show carrying presence, that show carrying workforce that you can rely on and like he matches the energy, kind, of, kind of like Cena in 2015. Like he kind of matches the energy of like these lower card guys who are trying to earn their spot. So like for Orange Cassidy, like this shot means the world. So like so like Cody's gonna work like that too. For Darby, this chance means the world. So like Cody's gonna work like that too. And I, I gotta give it to Cody, man. This is his best performance ever. And like Cody's had a really, really, really good year. He's had a good couple of years, to be fair. Like, but yes, this is, this was it. And this was like probably the most overtly heel match that he's had in a long time. And he's really grown because when he was doing the heel stuff, like in New Japan and ROH, this, he never did anything at this level. Realistically. No, not at all. Not at all. Like, like, like once he's in a mode where it's like, he kind of has to be a little bit more reined in. He doesn't just get to do whatever he wants now. Right. I, 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 it's no, it's no secret that like the matches get better. Like here we are. It's super focused, super direct. It like there's like like you know the arrogance is there. Like they're the complete like opposites of each other. Cody and this like big like ever growing fucking like like team like team of his all come out together. Yes. Like all fucking eight or like eight or nine of them. And Darby comes out by himself. Um, you know. Cody being Dusty Rhodes's kid and Darby being this dude who has no fucking connections to any of this shit. Like, they're, like, the complete opposites of each other. And that's why I think this works so well. Why it's, like, a good, like, encapsulation of, of like, the Dynamite era. is like, these two are such complete polar opposites. And, like, you know, like, they're, like, they're, like, made to wrestle each other. Yeah, well, it's so funny because Cody is the American nightmare, but it's like Darby is the one who really comes out looking like a nightmare, right? And, like, Cody's got, like you said, the giant entourage, the crazy entrance. The commentary even saying, like, the biggest entrance in the company is Cody. Like, like it's so funny the way that commentary has, like, started to, like, feed Cody's ego in the past couple of months. Like, with JR calling it the ace belt and then Cody playing into that. Yeah, it's the ace belt. And the commentary saying, like, he's got the biggest... He's got the biggest entrance in the entire company. He's got this giant entourage and, you know, the family and the respect and everything. And it's, like, playing into all of that for them to, like, it be, like, kind of subsumed by this match and this performance here. Where it's, like, all of that comes into it. So it does... You talked about the comparison to Triple H. And it's, like, Triple H never does something like this. He never has, like, the moment where the catharsis hits. And, like, all of that bullshit and all of that, like, grandioseness, like propagates into like this 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 kind of passing of the tide like he never had that yeah like yeah like yeah like yeah like, yeah, like something meaningful yeah. like it doesn't it, it doesn't happen unless he's like forced to like he couldn't deny john cena in 2000 in 2007 right or 2006 or whatever, whatever the fuck it was like you couldn't deny him so like you know that's why that happened or like brian like or like brian like it's 2014 triple h isn't like a fucking like active competitor like that anymore he couldn't right. like you couldn't deny Brian, like, here's Cody and, like, his prime, like, his peak, his company, like, this title, this secondary title, like, you know, his title. with his, like, yeah, yeah, and here he is, and he's, like, you, and, he, and they've used that belt, you know, it, it, like, it's done good for Cody, like, Cody gets to have a belt without, well, you know, um, 
well, not being able to challenge for the world title, world title ever again. But, like, he's used that in order to go, like, make Brody Lee. And then now give this rub to Darby Allen, who's never beat him before. Yeah, and they've told this amazing story between the two. And it, and it delivered, it, like, it's paid off here. Um, there, yeah, this was fan- At this point, I feel like we've talked about this match more than is worthwhile even, like, talking about the match. Do you... Do you want to even say anything about the match, like the actual work itself, like the the, the mechanics of it? Like, we I mean, like, it was great. Like, arm, the, arm, the arm, 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 the arm work was fantastic. It was super focused. The way Cody keeps keeps working that hammerlock and just finding like new crazy ways to just smash Darby's arm behind his back, and it's a, and it's a, and it's a theme that's gonna come back in a match in a little bit. But, like, Cody's arrogance coming back to get him. Yes. Like Cody had this game plan that was working perfectly. A perfect game plan, and he fucked it up. He was being stupid. He got too arrogant, got too frustrated, got ahead of himself, started doing shit that he should have been doing. Going for moonsaults, going for stinger splashes, all this other stuff. When, again, like, he yeah, he had the match. He didn't have, he didn't have to do any of that. Yeah. No, and... and... There's that the one thing the one thing that stood out to me that I just wanted to comment on from the match was was um, Darby catches a, a choke and he's he's got the rear naked choke on on Cody and commentary is talking about it and I think it's Jr. He's like saying like all he has to do is fall back Cody just fall back and Cody climbs all the way up to the top rope and yeah. the commentary <laughs> keeps talking about all he has to do is fall and he has to go all the way to the top and it plays into the nature of the Darby character and it pays the respect to the Darby character that Cody knows no all I have to do is not just fall back because this little fucker is not going to die I have to go all the way to the top to be able to get this fucker off my back and then he falls off the top and it's like that kind of stuff it's again it like it plays into showing that knowledge and getting the character and paying the respect to the character to be like no I'm not going to just like fall back like i have to like i have to squash this bug like i have to murder this guy to get anything to get him off my fucking back and that was i thought that that was really neat and just like paid it played into the storyline and everything about this so so yeah great match talked about it like even little stupid details like that and the commentary did such a good job of playing it up like perfect stuff um follow this up and this is literally the first i would say bad first boring first like just didn't live up to expectations. AEW women's Man, title match. Yeah, like, I, did you like I, this? I, I'm, I'm surprised. I I liked it. Okay. Well. Okay. Talk to me about it. I thought that like the idea of like you know like I feel like still like another, another thing where like not having a crowd here like still like feels like it affects certain matches. But like I like the limb work here. I like Sheeta selling. I like like how it was a continued thing throughout the match and it just didn't get forgotten. I like the work here a lot. I think as far as, like, the work, this might be, like, their best work match they've had. Like, the problem is I feel like they, like this, like, lacked an atmosphere or something, but, like, I really did think that this was a well-worked match. I can see why, at this point in the show, like, look, you've had Omega versus Paige, Cassie versus Silver, and then Rose versus Darby, like, all in a row. Oh, I can see, like, how, like, getting to this match 
it could feel like, oh yeah, this like you know this was a letdown or this was the worst match or this or, or, or any of those kind of feelings. But like, I still enjoy, I still enjoyed this. I mean, historically, I've been like I've championed the AEW's women's titles matches in situations where people were down on them, especially Nyla Rose. Like, I have been positive on Nyla Rose's performances over and over again in situations where other people have like you know poo-pooed and said that she looked green and bad and all this stuff but this match I, Nyla just wasn't there for me and like that killed it I think that Sheeta delivered I thought that Sheeta worked hard but also like Sheeta is is Sheeta she I've said multiple times that I think that at some point like she could hit a next gear and be this like top level babyface and and I think that a crowd could definitely help because I think she's got some some fieriness and some fighting spirit that the crowd could get into and make something of. But like she was very solid here. The selling was great. The performance from her was mostly good. But Nyla just felt off. I mean, she just seemed sloppy at times. She seemed like she had no fire. She seemed like she was like going through the motions throughout the match. Like there was times where just Nyla felt like super checked out. And it just, to me, I just didn't get anything. I've seen her look fiery. I've seen her put in the effort. I've I can, seen I, her. I, I, uh, I, guess, I can see that. I think, like, yeah, like, you were more disappointed in Nyla and, like, that shadowed it for you. And then for me, like, I was just, like, really impressed with, like, Sheeta. And, like, I think that, like, carried it for me. Okay. I can see that. I can see that. I've been a fan of Sheeta. I thought that Sheeta was, like, actually kind of one of the aces of the, the, um, the COVID era dynamite shows. I think that her, her, she was probably behind Kenny Omega as like, she tried, she tried her best like yeah. with everything that was going on and like Britt Baker getting hurt and like all the other shit going on with that just like ravaged that division. Like she tried her best. Yeah. But I just thought that like here we're now in this like weird in between phase and we're ready to move on. So like, she's not standing out as like the person who's working super hard to be like, an ace of of the the company and then also she's going up against an opponent who just i just i just didn't see it and vicky guerrero was out of place at times and like she probably added just like some clunkiness of them in the match and then yeah nyla just she just wasn't there for me and i'm not a nyla hater because historically i've been very high on nyla and i thought that she's really good and like is a great monster for the division now that you know that uh, amazing kong is just not going to happen like Nyla has like really kind of developed into that role super well but this match I just wasn't getting it I just I really did not see and even if she could be sloppy if I was feeling intensity but I wasn't feeling that I was just like it was just felt sloppy and listless and I just didn't get like any kind of fire sense of urgency is a great word that I'm going to pick up from you or, or term that I'm going to pick up from you on this um yeah like it just I just did not I didn't get it, and I just, it felt like this match, like, the card placement and the situation was bad, but, like, at the same time, the the women's matches have, like, over-delivered repeatedly for me in AEW pay-per-views, and this was one of the times where, it, like, maybe I'm being harsher on it in that respect, that I'm, like, comparing the women's title match to stuff in the past, but to me, it was just, like, in this setting, this did not feel like it, it deserved to be on this card at this point. You had three matches in a row that were phenomenal. And then you follow it up with this, and it's just like, what the fuck is happening? Um, 
follow it up with another match that I think you're a lot higher on than me. Um, uh, so I'll let you start this off. We got the AEW World Tag Team Championship. We've got the Young Bucks challenging against the Revolt. Caleb Connolly. <laughs> 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 Zane, 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 Zane Riley, Zane Riley, um, Fear the Revolt. No, um, FTR got uh, Hardwood, Rich Mahogany, and uh, and uh, what, God, I'm trying to think of more Dustin Rhodes uh, names. Either way, the Revival versus the Young Bucks. The match that we've been building to. For almost as long as we've been building to the Young Bucks versus the New Day, right? Um, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Pretty much the same time. Uh, pretty close, but not. But do am I wrong in feeling like the New Day match would be better? I don't know, Quentin. What did you think of the match? Talk to me. Um, I feel like we talked. We had this conversation before. Um, mm-hmm. is that I don't like judging revival matches in this setting I really don't um I feel like it's pretty clear that these guys got like you know a bad a raw deal in some cases or in some case because like like who relies on heat and crowd interaction more than these people in their matches like in granted like oh this is like this is like a thousand people in there or in, in in um in this arena or whatever but like still like more than anybody, they kind of like rely on that crowd participation and crowd investment. So it kind of felt weird to me from the beginning to judge them so harshly in this in this era. Um, second, I will fully concede that like all that like edgy young buck shit was just like super not needed. It wasn't necessary. Didn't help the story at all. Um. But I think when it comes down to it, I still watched this match and I saw really great limb work, great selling from both uh, Dax Hardwood and from Matt Jackson, from like the bloody hand and the handwork that we got there to Matt Jackson's injured ankle and the work that they did on it. I saw crisp work. I saw great fluid work. I saw... The revival look as good as they've ever looked in, a, in, a, in control. Obviously, minus all like the ref shenanigans and shit, because they can't really do that. It's not. It's pointless when there's really when there's really no audience. But it just was super well worked, and I thought it escalated in a good way. Um, some people have talked about like the um, the finishers that like they did from like other tag teams in called it hokey or whatever and to me i, I get it sure but like it, it, I, I to me i kind of looked at like they were clearly going through a going through like a timeline of like tag team wrestling it felt like like they did the heart foundation then there was a then there was a 3d there was a hardy combination and then there was the diy thing like they clearly like went through like a timeline of like tag team wrestling and like this is this, this is the idea. Like this is like the two teams of like the defi- that like that define like the last like de- like the last half of the decade of what we called great tag team wrestling. Like this is them finally meeting. This is a dream match. This is a dream match for tag team wrestling. Like 
I totally understood. It didn't really bother me, like, them doing that, because that's clearly what this match is supposed to be. Um, I thought the work, I, 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 thought, I touched on the work, I thought it escalated greatly, and then I thought the finish was fucking brilliant, man. I thought the finish was amazing. Like, the whole dichotomy of this Bucks and Revival feud and angle and shit has always been based on the fact that, like, the Bucks are all flash, no substance, flips and bullshit, and, you know, the Revival is no flips, just fists. That's been the whole idea of this. The Bucks are all sizzle, and we're, we, breed, we, we bring results, and uh, all this other old-school loving stuff that they, that they represent versus, like, this new age, like, you know, disrespectful, we're gonna do whatever the fuck we want, add it to the Bucks. And, like, Wheeler has him. Wheeler has him. Matt has his shoe off. His leg is fucked. He has him. And the same thing with the Cody match. He just does some stupid shit. He goes out there. The dude does a fucking springboard 450. (laughs) For what? What reason did you have to do that? Other than, like, you got caught. You, like, you just, like, you broke your one rule. You broke your one rule. And that cost you. Like, that's an incredible finish to me. Like, I thought the work was great. I liked all the other stuff, even if some people didn't like it. I understand if someone thinks that this wasn't organic. Um, but, like, this was the match of the last four years for tag team wrestling. They treated it like it. And if you think it didn't earn it, then sure. But, like, this whole thing was predicated off the fact that you wanted to see this match. And if they lost you along the way, then, like, that's totally fine. But, like... I think that they did what they're supposed to do. So they they treated this match like you were supposed to like that like you wanted to see it, and I don't know. Like I still wanted to see this match, and all everything that they did like still landed and connected for me. And I thought it was really well worked. I thought the finish was amazing. All right. Well, before I even get into my critiques of the match, Quentin, how do you feel about this match when you think about the fact that the Bucks? We're wearing Lakers colors, and the revival. We're wearing Celtics <laughs> colors. Um, I like the implication that the revival are racist. Okay, you know, I, I feel like you know, <laughs> a real strong, real strong implication there. So, just for just for that alone, I can't, I can't, you can't uh, get mad about that. You can't, 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 get, can't get mad about that. Right. I think they're. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I was gonna just—I was trying to get the summary judgment before I even rule, uh, before I even like present my my case against this match. Um, well, and like to be clear, like, look, whatever you say is completely valid. Like, trust me, I get it. Like, I, I, I really yeah. do. <laughs> Here's the thing: the, the 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 tag team tribute stuff doesn't even bother me because. The only moves in the match when it comes to like tag team tribute that didn't weren't authentic weren't like things that these people do were, were was the 3D and um and realistically that's it honestly everything else they did, they did a hardy combination no well, but, the, but the young bucks the, the do hardy that combination. they have done yeah, that in yeah, the yeah, past yeah, yeah. that wasn't they, they this isn't the like, first they time have, they've yeah. done this that the only move in the match that is not something that that these teams do regularly was the 3D. Everything else 
is moves that these teams have done historically. So I don't give a fuck about that. Like, I get it when people are upset, I guess, about the idea that, like, this match was like, we love tag team wrestling. Yay. Like, that was... And I can get that getting on your nerves. That's fine. It, it, it feels like a thing that, like, it gets on your nerves if you haven't really watched the match, though. Right. You know what I mean? Like, but, it feels like a thing that, like, kind of like the like, like a Will, like, like the entire, like, Will Ospreay ricochet debate. Right. Like, from a few years ago. It was that like everyone's sitting there shitting on this match and, like, looking at the, like, the gifts. Okay, well, cool. If you, if you watch the match, you feel like they're hitting the shit out of each other. They're hitting each other, they're hitting each other really, really hard. Right. And, and the other thing was the DIY spot. Because no one does the DIY spot regularly. You know, like, so the only but, thing... But, you, but, but, here, but, but here's the thing. is like, we did, we do at least have the famous Toronto match where, like, they did the finisher training. Yeah, they did. And they yeah. did, and they did, and they did do that. Yeah. So... Yeah, realistically, historically, both teams do all of the moves. the The revival does the um, the Steiner, the the Super Bulldog, whatever it is, the Bulldog Destroyer or Doomsday, um, and the Young Bucks have done the um, the Hardy combination thing in the past, even before, like you know, because the Young Bucks have been getting compared to the fucking Hardy Boys since. As long as they've, I've known of them, which is like, you know, 2001 or something, 2000, like, you know, they've been doing that shit forever. Um, so you can't even like try to pretend like that was like weird for this match. Like, whatever. Okay. Here's the thing that got me. Like, this was, we talked about it earlier. John Silver versus Orange Cassidy was the best PWG match of the year. This was like in sometimes this was like the worst NXT match of the year. Like these guys were doing all of the terrible NXT tropes. The the bloody hand reaching to the in, the empty corner thing was just so fucking melodramatic bullshit. Like I can't I'm I I can't buy into it. I just can't. I like it doesn't matter in, in any situation. It's just too over the fucking top. It's it's melodrama to the point where i just get taken out of it and like i get it i guess you can buy into that stuff some people can but to me in that moment i'm just like this is too fucking contrived and then the biggest thing and the and the thing that it plays into why i fucking hated the finish and why the finish like killed me was that like just basic heel babyface psychology for telling a story in a match, like, I would have loved it. I would have loved the finish if, if, um, Cash Wheeler had come in and, and if he was a better facial actor, if he had come in at the end and he had, he had Matt down and he could have just gone for the pin and the, the commentary is saying, just pin him, just pin him. And if he was a better facial actor, he could have like, like got me into like the, the, like, the nature of, of him being conflicted and he's just he's having such a hard time thinking about it but he's like you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna go up and i'm gonna do this springboard 450 like he hits this big super kick and then but like he's not a good facial actor so i just didn't get into it because he just looks super awkward as he's like trying to decide but like i could have accepted that and i would have probably enjoyed the finish even with him being a bad actor if it wasn't for the fact that throughout the entire match Cash Wheeler was hitting giant high spots. He was flying around the entire ring. 
He was doing big dives to the floor. He had done a flip dive out to the floor even before that. He had done big, over-the-top, grandiose selling where he like went over the top, over the post, from the inside to the outside. He's a gigantic bumper, yeah. like, for sure. So the entire match, Cash Wheeler was doing gigantic bumps. He was doing big-ass dives. He was flying over the top. He was hitting fucking double axe handles to the ground. Like The entire match, this fucking guy is like bumping huge and flying around. And then now I'm supposed to be surprised that he goes up top to do a 450? Like, I'm sorry, but, like, he's been doing over-the-top gestures the entire fucking match. So I get where you're coming from when it comes to, like, like the idea of no flips, just fists. But this guy hasn't sold me on the idea that he's not a flippy wrestler. Because he's flipped all fucking match. He's done a bunch of flips and flying everywhere the entire match. And then finally at the end... so. If you want to tell me this story where he's like conflicted and now he's going to flip, then you don't show me him flipping the whole match. You don't show me him crashing and burning to a dive with a dive to the floor that sets up like the transition in the middle of the match for the heat. Like he's supposed to be the heel and the heel should get like fucked over like big time at the end when he doesn't like realize. But like the thing is the heel just continuously was making these stupid ass mistakes and then at that point i'm just kind of checked out because i'm just like these baby faces better win because they're wrestling the dumbest heels in the history of wrestling these guys keep fucking it up trying to like do all this big theatrical fucking flying around the ring bullshit and they can't so then at the end when he finally decides like now i'm gonna do a big flying move and he's acting so again like if his acting was better, maybe I could buy into it because I could see him being conflicted. But now, at that point, I'm just like, why are you conflicted? You've been flying around the fucking ring all night, and now you're conflicted about flying around one more time? And then now, and on top of it, you're a bad actor, so your your confliction doesn't look very believable. And, like, you miss the move and get, like, super kicked and it's over? Like, I don't know, that was the biggest thing that, like, kind of took me out of it. Like, for the most part, the the other stuff, the things that I see people complaining about, I don't really give a fuck about. Like, there were some things like the like again, like the bloody hand reaching to the corner just felt overly melodramatic to me to the point where I like kind of checked out. The work itself, the guys are like they're they're both very good. And if there was a crowd here and the crowd was living and dying and and biting and getting into everything, I would probably get over the, a lot of this. I think stuff. I think that's the thing is like yeah. Like it's it, it, like like imagine sitting there doing that same exact like revival versus DIY match from Toronto with no with no crowd, and imagine all the right. doing all the doing all suck. doing all those same spots again, like the uh, holding each other so they don't tap or the dueling or the dueling submissions or like um, the stuff with the title belt and like uh, putting it up and like uh, Johnny 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 kicking the belt like. That shit, like, you know, if you put it in, like, the wrong environment, yeah, it's not going to look as good. So, like, that's always going to be my main point here. I just feel like it's so weird to hear everyone talk about the revival and not acknowledge, like, do you not realize, like, what they did? Like, they literally took, like, the fucking full, like, those 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 crowds at this point, because they're, they're working whole arenas. Like, this isn't just full cell. They're working whole arenas, and they're doing that, right. like, all over. Whether you're doing, whether they were doing it in um, in Lo- in London, in Texas, 
and Brooklyn and Toronto and Orlando. They did that all over the world, like making those crowds like molten hot for whoever they were wrestling, whether it was fucking Enzo and Cass for fuck's sake. You know what I mean? Like, yes. like, yeah. like, you know, like the, like the, like those are the guys you're talking about. So when you like remove the crowd from them, like, you know, it, it, it's just weird to me. It, it's people from now that I would expect better from people that I think are smarter than that to like, you know, and I get it. Like, this is just the circumstances we have to deal with. And you want to like, judge people still want to judge things like you know like regularly like rate things regularly like but i don't know man it feels kind of like disingenuous and like not honest to me to like show the revival and not acknowledge the fact like who they really are and like what their careers have been and what they've relied on up to this point that's i mean you're completely right and i won't this match will not make me say the revival are a bad team it won't make me say the bucks are a bad team I will say that this was a match where I feel like they've had time. They've had plenty of like experience to know this is the setting that we're in. Maybe they thought that they would get something because this is the biggest crowd that AEW has run in front of. I mean, like they did. I mean, they, they did they thought, get something. The crowd yeah. was into it. The crowd was into it. Yeah, but the, it's not enough. Exactly. For me to overlook, like, the shit that was just, like, slowly irking me throughout the entire match. Like, repeatedly. That said, I will not say that either of these teams are bad wrestlers. Either of these teams are bad. These are two of the greatest tag teams in the history of tag team wrestling. Like, when I went to see NXT Live, I bought a Revival shirt. I have the No Flips, Just Fists shirt. Like... You know what I mean? I'm into these guys. The Young Bucks, obviously. Like, you know me. You know that I'm a huge Young Bucks fan. Like, I have been forever. That said, like, this match has been building for fucking four years, and it's a shitty situation. And if this match was in front of a crowd, a lot of the stuff that I'm picking apart would not have mattered because the crowd would be so fucking hot that who cares? But unfortunately, it's just like they've had time to put something together to figure out how to... Like perform a match in front of no crowd, and I'm I'm wrong. I'm like slightly wrong in the sense that like there are a lot of people who liked this match. So, me personally, I just I think that I missed like there's some psychology stuff that's missing here that like could have been could have been better, could have been a little bit neater, and it also wouldn't have mattered if the crowd was just like molten hot and into everything. So, it's just like. That's that's kind of the situation where I end up in. It's like it's a mix of everything, and it fucking sucks because it's not it's not just oh this there was a tag team match that was kind of a bummer. No, this is a match that people have been dreaming of for like four years. For, for, like for the record, for like for people the record, like begging, for the record, is, we, have, we haven't done like star ratings really like in a while. Right. But like you know, like for, I would give this like four and a half. Like I, I, like I think I, I'd give this four stars without a doubt. Four star match for me. Yeah, like I will, like I will, like I will, yeah, I will give, I will give, yeah. like I gave this four and a, four and a half. Like I really, really right. enjoyed this. Yeah, but it's just for me. It's just like this is a match that's been building for four years. This is a match between two of the greatest tag teams of all time, 
and it's really unfortunate because you can't I can't I can I did I judge it based on what I saw but it's fucking sucks because this is a match not just a dream match not just a four years build match but this is a match that needed a crowd yeah this is a match that should have happened in front of people and unfortunately we didn't get it in front uh, of people uh, could you imagine like, 30,000 people watching yeah, this like, match? Come on, like, come on, man. Like, imagine, like, a full yeah. 25,000, 30,000 people. Because they, cause they would have showed up for this match. If they could, like, you know, if this would yeah. happen and, like, they had this announced, like, this would have been the main event. This would have gone on last. Yes. And, like, this would have, like, tore the fucking house down. Yeah. It would have. It would have been. You, it would've are been you excited for. Like the following matches, though, like because you know, like it's not just going to end here. So, like, I hope, not. yeah, like you know, like you know, they're, but they're, what's going on with FTR? Like FTR are posting things on Instagram, like and and or Twitter. They're like mad about their booking and they're upset. Are they leaving? Are they going to NWA? Are they? Are they going? Like, what are they doing? I don't know. I don't know. I feel like they kind of like you know. I remember the promo. Um segment with a sit down and them kind of like feeling like they were like getting overlooked in favor of like you know the like like the buck story and the bucks drama that was going on so it might be an ex- it might be an extension of that i'm not sh- i'm not sure though i'm sorry i'm sorry i was just go i was just going through the tw- i was just going through the twitter to sit there and like uh see and, and see uh anything from in front see anything from ftr and like i don't know it it is kind of weird like yeah, it's like saying like physically and emotionally drained to everyone who's been with us on with us on with been on this ride with us. Thank you, top guys. Out, you can now rejoice. Good night. Like I don't know, man. Like I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't know. I mean, this could, this could all be like some, like some, sh- yeah, some like shit that Dave Meltzer got got worked on or something. Like this whole idea that, like you know, like that, like that happens. Like, um, although Matt, although Matt Jackson actually said that his knee is actually fucked up. Yeah, like BTE, like he actually BTE Matt double, like no, like people were asking like there's a word or whatever. Like no, like my. He went into detail and like no, like my knee is actually fucked up. Right. <laughs> um, I don't know. Anything else on this match, or, or should we move on? Could we move on? Uh, we can move All on. Right. Matt um, Hardy, Sammy Guevara. Matt, Matt, Matt Hardy murdered Sammy Guevara. <laughs> this did this suck or was it good? I can, I didn't like it. I don't. It was fine. I guess like, it was fun. Obviously, I. Obviously, obviously, nothing's ever gonna touch the fucking um, shit going shit going going all across the right. Jacksonville Stadium, but like this was fine for everything. It was fine, fun, but like I want Sammy to move yes. on. From this. Me too. Like that's this that that's my main thing. I want Sammy. I want Sammy gone from this. I think that that was the ending here. Like definitively ending Sammy and like putting him in the trash can like that and fucking him up so bad. Like I think such a definitive end means like hopefully like we get something new with Sammy. 
Yeah, so. but what do you do with Sammy coming out of the next match with Jericho versus MJF? MJF, if MJF wins, which he does, he joins the inner circle. Wardlow's in the group. Sammy doesn't I, want MJF in the group. So where do you go with Sammy from here? I think that Jericho could start taking a like. Remember, like Sammy's always kind of been Jericho's right. little buddy. Like, so I could see Jericho taking a liking to MJF, and like that, and like Jericho choosing MJF over Sammy. I guess that makes sense. I I I I could see I could see something right, like that right. playing out. But to move forward, but yeah, but go but to go go to that match then, Jericho versus MJF again. I don't know if I'm the high man like I like with Sheeta and Nyla or with like or like with FTR and versus the Bucks, but like. I thought MJF was Jer- versus Jericho was like super well worked. Yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed this match, like for the most part. But I'm just again, like leading into it, I was just wondering what you thought about where does Sammy go from from losing definitively against Matt Hardy into yeah, super yeah, super definitively like, into getting just like now he's connected to the losing side of this match. Um, kind of, because he was the guy who didn't want MJF in the inner circle, and then MJF gets it. But yeah, this match kicked ass. Like, I don't know. Give me your blow by blow. What did you think of the match? I mean, this the selling here from Jericho. Like, you know, you didn't expect this. Obviously, although like MJF's whole thing is like he works that Fujiwara armbar. Is that I thought the arm work? I thought the arm work was good. I thought that Jericho. I thought that Jericho sold it well. It was kind of. It was, it was, it was alright to see, like, Jericho working babyface uh, somewhat, you know, getting, getting to do, like, a comeback and everything, uh, and still, like, you know, throwing little things, like, uh, like, eye, like, eye pokes and, you know, still, like, had, like, little heel tactics there, and then eventually when it broke down and then trying to outheal each other, I like the fact that, like, it didn't just go for the straight-up Eddie finish, where, like, they get to where he, where the whole disqualification happens. I like the fact that MJF did the did the Eddie, Eddie spot, but then ended it with a roll up, like still getting the pin. Like you know, it's not enough to get like the, the, the to get the disqualification. You still want to give MJF the actual clear win over Jericho, and for that and for that, I really enjoyed I really enjoyed that little uh, subversion of how they usually do of how that spot. Yeah, usually they happens. did a really good job here playing like the heel versus heel side of things was like really slight you know it was not it wasn't like over the top it was really more mostly just on the finish which is like the jericho got out healed on the very finish like the very end yeah. that, like did really well and then for most of the match jericho played babyface and like you said he did a good job jericho there was a time when jericho was a phenomenal babyface it was a long time ago yeah. but but he still can like dust it off a little bit here and there, and you know what I really liked is that like the diamond dozen ring is still a thing. Like AEW yeah. could has done a really good job of like not letting stupid things just like disappear. Like the diamond dozen ring still matters, and he gets thrown the ring. Yeah, go I'm ahead. I'm glad AEW just like again like a North American company like. That rewards you right. for caring, like rewards you for paying attention to this shit. Like, 
Cody and MJF haven't crossed paths in how right. fucking long? <laughs> but it still matters. It still matters, and it's great because yeah, like he, like it could have just been the finish that happened. But at the end of it, like, like MJF still kisses the ring. He's still paying respect to the, the to the ring, even though it didn't really end up playing anything to the finish. He was still like. Again, playing back into it, respecting the diamond doesn't ring. Like, it actually still matters. And yeah, like, a, a North American wrestling company actually giving you something for paying attention. Like, what the fuck are we... Are we watching Sup? Are we watching action wrestling? What is going on here? Um, yeah, is this CWF? What are you doing here? Actually, I wouldn't be shocked if, uh, <laughs> if Stutzy was backstage booking some of this. Um, just based on how problematic a lot of the other bookers are. Um... <laughs> that said, Quentin, it's main event time. We're talking about it. We're talking about the match with the build of the year. We're talking about the match with the champion of the fucking world. The vibe. This is a vibe check match. The biggest, the big, the big, the big, the biggest yeah, star in the world. This is fucking. Are you guys like realistically like this is a one hundred percent like I said vibe check match. This is how do you not get into this if you're not in, if, if you're not into this then like just don't yeah. ever speak just about stop wrestling. leave <laughs> go home it's okay if you don't if you i don't care if you think that eddie kingston's gear looked stupid that's fine you're allowed to think that his gear looks stupid if you don't get the reference and if you think that it doesn't fit his character shut the fuck up you're allowed to not get it. You're allowed to not like it. Don't tweet out that it's bad. Like you're wrong. You're wrong that it's bad. Who's it? Who's it? Well, who's, who's People were like so fucking pissed off. This doesn't fit his character. Eddie Kingston's not goofy. He should be wearing pants. He should like jeans. He should be wearing denim jeans and a wife beater. That's not. He's a real man. And it's just like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> A fucking... They've talked about it constantly! How much he's obsessed with the fucking four pillars. Like... Oh, it's fine if you don't get it. You're like 100% allowed to not get it. I'm not a gatekeeper. I don't think that like it's bad. But don't tell me that, that it doesn't fit his character. Don't tell me that it's bad. Because it's not bad. It's good. And it does fit his character. You just don't... You're just not exposed. That's okay. That's okay. You're allowed to not understand it. You're allowed to be confused. But don't try to fucking correct me and tell me that it's bad. You know what I mean? Like, that's the thing that drives me crazy. Like, Eddie Kingston is out here. And on top of that, they've already been putting over that he's Irish. So he's just wearing the green or for the for the Irish. For his Irish side of the family. So just if you don't get it, just accept that part. That he's an Irishman and he's wearing bright green for his Irish heritage. Um, this is like, yeah, the biggest star in all of wrestling is is out here and he's wrestling John Moxley. Um, no, but like PWI <laughs> number one, the guy that I've been uh, talking about for how fucking long that he's going to like get the mall goths and the Hot Topic kids... To also be into UWFI, dude. Like, again, like I, I was talking, I was talking to talking to Brock about it earlier. It's just like, dude, like, it's so crazy to sit there and watch this match, 
And then look at it, it's like, dude, like, I remember watching mm-hmm. this guy when he first showed up in FCW and when we were watching his promos and him still, you know, not having any facial hair, facial hair yet, still being, like, super young. And then just watching him, immediately, as, soon as, he, as soon as he walked in FCW, just, like, changing the entire complexion of this developmental territory and it's something that, like, became must-watch. Like, he did that. Like, he single-handedly was, like, making me watch FCW shows because I wanted to see John Moxley. Right. <laughs> like, like, and, and, and I, well, I, I was aware of him before that. Like, I'd already, like, seen him in other places before that. But, like, still, like, the idea, like, this person held that much gravity that, like, he was the reason why I even started watching, like, watching closely, like, fucking WWE developmental territories. And, like, to see that this person, like... 10 years later is like the guy in wrestling, the wrestler, the like, like you could argue the best wrestler in the world, either way, the hottest wrestler in the world, the biggest star in the world. Like that's him. And he feels like it. He walks, he, he walks like it. He talks like it. Like he embodies that shit. And like, it's crazy to me to remember fucking like, no beard, hair in his face as John, like, you know, Dean Ambrose from, yeah, like, I, I remember all that shit. Sit there, remember this? And, like, everyone grows up, everyone gets older, like, that's just life. But, like, to see him, like, grow into this, man, that's just wild. I mean, he is, he's, and, like I said, I've I've been saying it for fucking years. This guy has... Across the board of people. And I'm shocked that how he looks right now, wearing fucking military fatigues, shaved head, beard, like close cut beard. Hoopy, hoopy, yeah, hoopy like, earring. <laughs> that he became still the guy because he doesn't, he doesn't quite fit the thing that I was saying before, but he does kind of fit the everyman thing. Like John Moxley is, has been historically. And seems to just get it. This is why he works. And it's the reason why I, like, don't get why he is the way he is now. And why I don't 100% am, like, in love with who he is now. Is because he is an everyman. There is, like, very few people who just, like, they get the zeitgeist and are able to completely, like, like, kind of, like, suck it in. And, like, be able to, like mirror it back to the people around them so that they can like see themselves in him but john mox like yeah dude like i'm like i'm like like i'm like i'm 23 like for me like and again like they've like he's like got compared to everybody over the course of his career but like watching moxie right now it it, like it feels like to like you know like a like a lesser version of what like what's what what what, like watching austin Mm -hmm. must have felt like at the time like that's what yeah. he feels like to me, to people like the people like that are gonna be in my age that we didn't get to experience that. Like this is what like must be like what like watching Austin felt like as uh, yeah. something. No, definitely. And it's just it's it's gone from being like I said it at certain times. I was like, oh, he's like you know this hot topic mall goth like, but also like super believable. You're into him guy, and like now he's like got this like a little bit more grown up like. You could buy into, like, Moxley being, like, a QAnon guy, but he's not. You know what I mean? It's like, that's why he works. He's, he's, he's like, he, 
he gives you like guy that like it's just like you know he like kind of like got he feels like he got too old for the like for the right. for the scene. Like yeah, that that's what he feels that's what he feels like a guy that like you still know his past. He's like very open about his past, but like he feels like a guy that like yeah you know that that's like. Old man. I, I used to be in a hardcore band, but like, right, know, I grew up. exactly, <laughs> and that's why he works because he's like he's believable, like he's cool, he's still believable. You still get into him and think of him as like, you know, that guy, that guy. He's just that, like the the best way to describe him. He he is the man, like he really is. And yeah. it's like <laughs> he's the it's fucking very man. rare that like a wrestler really is able to like transcend everything and be the fucking man but like moxley is the man it i don't know going into this match i i really really talked myself into like king could win there was no reason that i could truly believe that would make you like why not put the title on kingston honestly moxley has already had a, a solid yeah, you, run yeah you, yeah you got yeah, yeah you guys were like you guys were super yeah. adamant about that in the, in the chat i was like i talked myself into it i hear you guys but like like I hear you guys, like you realize this is like I, Moxley, I, right? I, I got like, it. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> it like, like you know, this is really, you know, this is Moxley, the guy that like has been incredible, a guy that like you know they've put all this effort and stock in stocking in the building. Like, this is who we're talking about here. And you think he's gonna like lose to Eddie Kingston? There's anything wrong with Eddie Kingston, but it's just like, like this is like the guy. Yeah, right now. <laughs> and I mean he is, but I could see just swapping the title, even if it was quick, giving Kingston something to make him like feel more legitimate. He's a former champion for the rest of his career. He's like, you know what I mean? Like, I could have bought into yeah. it, and there was no reason not to do it. I guess when it really comes down to it, I've, we've talked about it, and there's a lot of bullshit reasons. There's a lot of like weasel reasons that you could say why you wouldn't do it and like i could definitely buy into it and people would would like accept them for the most part even if you still think they're kind of bullshit but i think the main reason and it's like it might still be kind of stupid of a reason but i think the main reason that i honestly personally accept and i get it is that if john mock or if eddie kingston had won this title here tonight um, Eddie Kingston is a babyface for the rest of his career. And exactly. I don't think that they want Eddie Kingston to be babyface because he's he is the top heel in the entire company. They, I think I think they want him as as this yeah. like tragic villain. And I just I think if he wins the title here, there's no way. Even when he loses the title after that, I don't think that there's any way that you can ever make him a heel again. And the crowd will always cheer him no matter what he does. And I think that that's like, realistically, that's the only argument that I could truly accept for why you don't put the title on him here. And I do think that he can win the title down the line. And I do think that he honestly should. I do think that Eddie Kingston should win this title at some point. Just because, again, like I said, like you need something that makes him not just a, a, a guy who talks a lot of shit. He's an amazing promo, and he backs it up in the ring for the most part. But I do think that it, you can get to a point where you can just write him off as a guy who talks a bunch of shit but never does anything. And that's why at some point he has to win the title. 
because then at that point you can't say that he just talked shit because he was the champion, right? But I I, I think that like why maybe Eddie like doesn't get that is because Eddie's character is already right. so vulnerable. It's not like he's like he's like Eddie isn't right. delusional. Like Jericho will lose, don't make up a whole bunch of excuses, or MJF will lose, don't make up a whole bunch of excuses, or like you know come out there and exaggerate it and be like oh he like physically assaulted me and da 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 like you know just like you know like like ham it up. Eddie's always been vulnerable, so like for that perspective, like I'm not sure that like it really affects him when you're talking about someone that like already makes themselves right, vulnerable. Right. That's fair. That's fair. But I just think like to be like serious, legitimate, like you t- like this guy matters. It's like a guy can talk a lot, but like I said, like the idea that like, this guy he talks, but it's all shit. It's all just he just talks shit, and nothing ever comes of it. I think that's why at some point he should win the title just to be like this guy is not just a shit talker he's also serious like that that's my only argument for that but i get where you're coming from for what you say which is that like he doesn't he's always vulnerable and and that's why like he always gets his heat back like he doesn't have to win ever and you're always going to take him seriously but i just think at some point maybe we'll see and like it may not be necessary but in my mind i think that you should put the title on him at some point just to like make that clear that he's not just a, a guy who talks. He's also like has something. He's also serious. Um that what said, do you think about the match? I fucking love seeing someone who is the top champion in a giant company, the number two company in America, being able to bring this kind of vibe, this kind of violence, this kind of aura to a match. This kind of everything. And I, I see people who are upset and they're complaining that like this was so, stuff was too far or they don't need to see this. But like for me, I I need to see stuff this. I far. need to see this. I need to see wrestling be taken to this level. Thumbtacks, barbed wire, everything that we get in this match. I still think we don't even really get that much. We don't go over the top here. Yeah, like we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not even, we're not I don't going see any crazy. Light tubes. Like I didn't see. This, we, we pretty much yeah. did like basic, like yeah. Jimmy Havoc shit. Like I didn't see glass. I didn't see fire. I didn't. You know, we had some thumbtacks. We had rubbing alcohol and barbed wire. I, I think. I think there was. I think there was glass last right. year. Yeah, I think right? there was. Yes, with um, with Moxley and Kenny, they had some glass. But yeah. I, yeah, I think I, I think I remember someone being yeah. dragged on glass. But yeah, it's just like that. people who act like this is taking it too far. I'm just like I don't this I don't see this as too far. This is like keeping it very safe, like you know. Or like if this is too far, like I want to know like what other like hardcore matches have you seen? If you think right. this is too far, because like what is your standard for hardcore matches? Like just tables and right. chairs, like can kendo sticks? Because <laughs> like. You know, cause like if the, the, then that's like that will just definitely color your color your perspective. But like again, if you're familiar with like any kind of like hardcore wrestling outside of WWE, like this is yeah, this is basic thumbtacks. It's like like thumbtacks and some barbed wire. Pretty these basic. Guys built. I mean, that's the thing too is that this was this was a storyline psychology match where they built to it. They didn't just like go out here and start carving each other up. They like. They went through it. They did suplexes. They did throws to the floor. They did, you know what I mean? They did, like, 
they didn't do arm ringers and all this stuff, but they pretty quickly went from like a wrestling match to turning it up to ultra violence to weapon. You know what I mean? Like, but they didn't go out here with like no rope inferno deathmatch flaming double hell piranha. You know what I mean? Like they they came out here in a regular ass match. They started it out and then they started brawling around the building. And then they started, like, introducing more and more weapons, more and more violence. And, like, they just, everything built intensity over and over again. Like, even the stuff with the barbed wire. It was, like, Eddie introduced the link of barbed wire, but he didn't, like, actually use it. And then, eventually, John grabbed the barbed wire and and used it for the bully choke. So, it was just, like, it just repeatedly was building. And so, like, again... I love having a world champion, a top guy who can bring this kind of vibe and bring this kind of like violence into a match and you can buy into it and it's not goofy. It's not, there's nothing about it other than like this guy is like the best wrestler on the planet and he's your champion and he can breathe fucking, he can bring this kind of level of violence. He can also bring like shoot style again, like he can bring UWFI stuff. He can, he can do everything and be believable in every setting and like i really enjoy seeing the top guy be able to do that and so this match was just like part of that it was part of that story where it's like john moxley is his best all around he can do anything with anyone so yeah i just i think we're missing this (laughs) i really do think we're missing this kind of like wrestler and luckily we have it in john so i hope that i honestly hope that john beats omega like a lot of people are talking about omega oh clearly omega's gonna win the title i kind of hope that he doesn't i hope that john keeps the title from omega i mean i mean yeah but it's like it's it's like like, you know kenny like he did lose last time and all that other stuff uh going back like i like the idea that like king like kind of gassed himself out he like he did everything he could fucking like urinagi onto the tax like he's done everything that he could like, but like busted Moxley open, like he gave it his best shot, and then Moxley just weathered the storm and was like, "Okay, we got to the championship rounds. Like, okay, here we go. Guess what? You can't hang with me right, right now. And just and like you know, if you want to keep being so stubborn, then cool. I'm gonna get this barbed wire and I'm gonna choke you with it. Like, since you want to keep being so stubborn, like my Kingston really gave it his honest best shot, and like it made Moxley bleed, but. It, couldn't get the job done. I like that. I, I, I like. I like that idea. I like that idea. I like too. that a lot. Um, this was clearly the main event. Everything throughout the entire night felt like it was leading to this. You know what I mean? Like it didn't. There wasn't. I. I couldn't even say a hundred percent. This was the best match on the on the night, right? There was probably matches that I enjoyed more. There was probably matches that were better in general, but this was the main event you know this was the big deal this was the match that i was i was into i was hooked into from the build i was hooked into from the violence i was hooked into from the athleticism you know what i mean like the drama everything about it so that's the other thing too like when it comes down to it like you can have matches throughout the night that you think are better you can have a ton of stuff but at the end of the night like moxley delivers as the main event the person that you paid your money for if you bought a ticket if you paid on pay-per-view 
you got your money's worth from John Moxley. And that's another part of why he's like the best wrestler in the world. That's why he's the champion. That's why he's the man, you know? I think I think that I think yeah. pretty much nailed everything. Like Moxley's the best, and Kingston. I hope this doesn't. I hope I think he's gonna feud, go now into feuding with Pack. I think that's gonna be the move here. They've already been kind of teasing Phoenix leaving right. that little group, and I could see something like Pack and Phoenix together going on and get going up against like Kingston and Penta. So I can see that going on, and Kingston's yeah. fine. Like another Kingston, one of those guys where like the cream rises yeah. to the top, right? Like, and everyone's already seen, like, holy shit, this guy is, like, an amazing promo, like, off the off the cuff, anytime you need it, he can just cut a great fucking promo and get you invested in something. Like, he's already shown how valuable he is, so I don't fear him, like, dropping down significantly or getting forgotten. Like, I think they know what they have with him if they decide to ever go that way. And even if they don't, like, you know, like a TNT title, like, imagine, like, Kingston versus Darby for, like, yes. the TNT title. Or getting, or getting like Eddie versus Orange Cassidy or some shit. Like you know, like like Kingston can still do stuff like yeah. that. So like he's someone I'm not, yeah. I'm not too worried about Definitely in this company not. at least. Yeah, he's a guy who again, and AEW has proven and shown over and over again that like if you can talk, you're set, and Kingston can talk. So either way, um, Quentin. Well, I guess we'll close it out for the night. Um, do you have anything you want to plug? Is there a new Psychology is Dead coming out that I don't know about? Uh, no. Other than you should get prepared for us doing our top 50 Oof, of the 2010s. I am not prepared for that, but I'll work on it. Yes. Um, other, other, other than, uh, that, no, uh, uh, AEW Full Gear was a, was a, was a, was a, was a yes. smash for me. Really enjoyed it. Um, and then I'll just have some other stuff to catch up on, uh, and uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what we do next week. You know, so getting towards getting towards the end of the year, a weird fucking year. Um, maybe maybe like on maybe personally, I'll put out so that probably like maybe like a top ten list or whatever on like Brock's blog. I'll yeah. see. But uh, yeah, you know, like it's getting 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 to be that time again. So we'll see if there's any even really much to like cover as the week as the weeks go go on. Because like really now, like really now, we're on the road right. to Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, I've been thinking about the end of the year because there are there's like some people who deserve some respect for this year, even if it's been shitty. So we'll see. We'll put it out somewhere. Mm. Um, either way, that's it. Uh, I don't know. Quentin, have a good night. And you too. Thank you all for listening, and hope you're here next time.
Yeah.